Hey, thanks for downloading this episode of Battleship Pretension. Before we get started, uh, we want to let you guys know, if you didn't already, uh, about some bonus uh, video specials uh, that you can watch on our YouTube channel. There's a link on the website mm-hmm. uh, on, on battleshipretention.com uh, at the near, the near the top right. Um, and it would really help us out if you would watch them and tell other people to watch them. Let us know what you think, but mostly just just watch them. It, it might help us to make more of them. Yeah, it's something we're very excited about. There there will be guests in them, and I guess we can go ahead and say Yeah, fr- friends of the show like Josh Fadum, Susan Burke, Pat Healy. Uh, and again, if, if you watch, uh, more will come. Yes, and so you can find that. There's a YouTube button. It's right there. It's it's you can't miss it if you look on on the, on the page. So. Yeah. So uh, d- check those out um, again. It will help if you let us know what you think, but mostly we just want you to watch them. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, so thanks t- for watching them. Thanks to the guests you mentioned. Thanks to Cinephile Video for letting us shoot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun. We're very proud of these, and we hope to get to make more of them. So watch them. That's kind of up to you, though, isn't it? Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm, 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 do, I'm doing great. Um, oh my. <laughs> uh, I just, I, you know, we were just talking off mic with our, our, our guest, whom we'll, introduce, whom, whom we'll introduce in just a second. I just finished, literally today on the bus ride home, uh, finished reading uh, The Black Dahlia, the James Elroy, Elroy book. I'd only mm-hmm. ever read Ellie Confidential, and it was years ago. Mm-hmm. And I found myself not liking The Black Dahlia as much as I had hoped I would, or as much as I had been told that I would. Did you like Ellie Confidential when you read it? I did, but I was in high school. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I, I read it shortly after the, the movie came out, so I would have been in, in high school. And uh, I remember being like, man, this is really something. Because I never read anything like that, and he is a very distinct writer. But part of me feels like if I were to go back to that, uh-huh. and then the last book of his I read was about seven years ago. I I bought it on my honeymoon because no better way to celebrate your honeymoon <laughs> than to read James Elroy, but specifically the, his memoir about his murdered mother. What is wrong with me? But but yeah, he's a he's fun, but maybe I don't know, not that palatable. Um, but you know what made uh, The Black Dahlia a little bit more fun to read on the bus? What's that? Listen to music on my iPod while I read. To, 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 to drown out the uh, people talking loudly on their cell phones on the bus, which mm-hmm. I think is uh, – which I hate, and okay. I don't understand why it's allowed. Um, but uh, uh, like, if someone calls me while I'm on the bus, I text them back, can't talk right now on the bus. You know, I'll talk to you because you're in a confined space with other people you're in a public space we'll get to the guests in a second hold on i went that went off on a tangent that i did not mean but it really bugs me oh but Um, it was inevitable wasn't it i'm sure the listeners saw it coming and this is an audio (laughs) podcast um anyway listening to you know listening to the four tops listening to uh what else i listened to radiohead i listened to a little bit radiohead Mm -hmm. today uh through uh, on my ipod through my tweakedaudio.com earbuds and i tell i'm telling you that will make even the the most 
juvenile or preposterous garish uh, book um more, more palatable because tweaked audio if you guys don't know if you haven't heard us talking about them they make professional quality earbuds for uh an affordable price i mean 30 bucks for earbuds this good is a steal it'd be, oh, a, steal. Yeah. It'd be a steal at twice the price yeah. we're not they're not even asking you to pay the whole price. You go to tweakedaudio.com at checkout. You put in offer code pretension. Mm-hmm. You get a third off. In some countries, you have to pay a child. You have to like give one of your children away right, for, to, for a pair of, of earbuds. That aren't Here, even tweaked audio. Exactly. Yeah. You're talking about like the ones that they come the, with the iPhone oh. or the, the iPod, rather. Yeah. But what, what else are they going to do? Right there. What else are they going to do when they listen to their uh, their iPods? That's the thing. The iPod is given to them by the state, but <laughs> if you want earphones, you got to pay. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, and I, we heard all this on NPR, right? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> on, on all things considered. Mike Daisy what, told us all about what's it. The, what's the show that that uh, nasally dweeb hosts? Oh, geez, you'll have to narrow it down. <laughs> what but, am I thinking? Uh, oh, This American Life. That's the one. Oh, that guy. But uh, now, David, what happens? If somebody wants to listen through their tweaked audio earbuds, listen to an audio book of the Black Dahlia, what do they oh, do then? I'm sure it's great. Okay, so the book uh, gets better. Un- unless Ira Glass is reading it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've really uh, come down on a lot of... <laughs> A lot of like nerd staples here. The one like James Elroy. James Elroy, I think, is beloved in certain communities. Ira Glass, beloved and even more. Uh-huh. The one person, that, you know, the one person that gets away clean is uh, Bruce at TweakedAudio.com. Yeah, yeah. That guy's the best. That's if right. If he read the Black Dolly, I listen to it every day. <laughs> because he'd clean it up for you, and he'd make it so much more pleasant. Because he's just the he's a pleasant that, guy. And that was really my problem with it was just all the language. <laughs> Um, and the content—it's—it's it's a little—it's a little gross, a little racy. Yeah. Uh, now then, let's bring. Now that we've basically made it impossible for somebody to want to say anything, <laughs> let's bring. Let's bring our guest in, David. Uh, yeah, this is uh, someone that I have, uh, you know, run into and, and talked to at, at at a comic con or at say a Cirque du Soleil performance in Santa Monica, <laughs> um, and you—you uh, you, of course as. Film geeks, internet dwelling film geeks, know him uh, from his podcast, The Golden Briefcase. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Buell. Guys, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. I'm, I, I have to point out, I am at tweakedaudio.com right now. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm debating purchasing these after that amazing sales pitch. Uh, well, I, I, apparently, we didn't do a good enough job if you're debating it. You're debating <sighs> it after the only, hearing it the live. The only reason I'm debating <laughs> yeah. is because I'm one of those individuals that has far too many earbuds as is fair enough my, my day job is i work for a technology company and of mm-hmm. course we have to be in the know and i have to say i've never heard of tweaked audio so now is the time i think well then here's what i'll say you said that you've got you already have way too many pairs of earbuds here's yes. what i say you've got a bunch of shit yeah here's, here's you <laughs> and, the earbuds you got yeah you you you, you time together you ball them up and you throw them in a lake uh, yeah go. put them in a bag it has to be a lake right put it you know you know put what a chain around it um the hollywood reservoir there you, you can throw them in the hollywood, hollywood reservoir, reservoir. That'll work. That'll and then work. get yourself james elroy would approve i'm sure <laughs> and then get yourself some earbuds you got it all right <laughs> all right this is, it, it's it's a deal you guys you guys are on. you guys are on <laughs> so uh tim now uh there are things obviously the the listener will be interested in hearing your point of view on. You're a big uh, a, a big film buff. You know you like horror and sci-fi. Yes. But I want to talk to you about the fact that you're from Simi Valley, California. I am. Yes. Which um, say three years ago, 
wouldn't have meant anything to me. But <laughs> now I have a girlfriend who's from Simi Valley, and I'm in Simi Valley once a month at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it like growing up there? I, um, I'm i in the minority. I love Simi Valley. A lot of yeah. my, my friends and, and colleagues growing up hate it, and they're out in this neck of the woods more often than they are at home. And I don't know. I Maybe I'm a sucker for smaller towns or something. I don't know. But it's weird. When I go to like other states and I go to their quote-unquote small towns, uh-huh. I'm like, eh, it's not Simi Valley. But <laughs> honestly, it is, it is really great. And um, I, I make films too, and it's very easy to make films there because no one cares or they're more interested in what you're doing. They're not going to drill you for a permit or something like that uh-huh. out here in Hollywood. And, uh, and, and yeah. you've got that, that weird part of town. What's it called? The hilly place with all the like – Oh, the Knolls? The Knolls. Yeah. 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 My, my fiance actually lives right across the street from the Knolls. And so I've so- – Explain to the listeners what the Knolls are. The Knolls, think of your your crack den, your heroin hive. I love how they're all, they have names. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that part of town is c- called the Knolls, the, the Knolls, the K-N-O, whatever. Um, and it, it's a dirty place. There are no streetlights there. It is really creepy. Uh, we When I was younger, we used to try to like dare each other to walk through the Knolls at nighttime. And you don't want to do that because like people are either out, you know, like zombified for, on, on the drugs that they're on and they're walking around or they're just like standing outside like creepily looking at you. It is a scary area. But, yeah, um, but yeah. the way you're describing, it, I think people might be like picturing some sort of rundown urban center. But no, it's like oh no, hillbilly land. It is like, hillbilly. It, it is true Simi Valleyans. These are guys that and and gals that have been there for thirty, forty years, and they're never leaving. And they they love the Knolls, and it's it's a terrifying place. But and there clearly yeah. was not like having driven through there once in the middle of the day with my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> there was clearly no none of these sort of like. Uh, like neighborhood planning you see in the suburbs no, like no. the houses vary so wildly from yes. one to yeah, the next yeah you'll have you'll have train car houses and you'll have <laughs> mansions and you'll have shanties like it is literally a, a smorgasbord of just insane housing and you're like are there like is there different classes living here no no they're all just just wh- whatever house they got stuck with that's where they moved in and yeah now when i lived in uh, the denver area we lived in a, a suburb of denver uh, called Parker, and within Parker, we lived in a uh, very, you know, Edward Scissorhandsian uh, subdivision <laughs> nice. called Stonegate, which I came to discover later is the name of the prison in Gotham City. But uh, <laughs> so it's called Stonegate, and then within that subdivision, within the suburb of Parker, uh, there is a the section of the subdivision that I lived in was called the Knolls. Interesting. Huh. Are you saying there was drug use going on there? It is quite possible. Okay. <laughs> it was a hive of scum and villain. There was there, that yes. one family uh, <laughs> with that guy Tyson. It's always, it's always Tyson. Tyson. And his, uh, I don't remember his brother's name, but uh, that family was no what, good. Like so I think Skyler. it was... <laughs> I think it was located. I think all the drug use was just that one family. Is it like does the Knowles name like? Is there every city has a Knowles and it's uh, called the Knowles? That would be no awesome. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I I don't think St. Louis does. No, but, not that um, you know of. Not that you, you, were, yeah. you were shielded from. Yes. Yeah. You were in the nice neck of the woods. Okay. Yeah. Another thing about Simi Valley that I want to I want to point out. There's a place. Well, there's two of them. Uh, Mexican restaurants called El Patio. Yes. But there's the one that I used to go to all the time because my girlfriend's nephew played little league at the Santa Susana ballparks. So you know what I'm talking about, right there. Yep, it's actually right, like right where I live, like right, okay. right there. Yeah. So behind that, in that strip mall, there is a hair salon that is called Malords and Miladies. Yes, yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. It is the greatest thing in the world ever. I always love little places that have great names. There's there is a there's a costume shop in um, Austin, Texas. Uh-huh. I was down there for Fantastic Fest back in September, and it's a costume shop that we all bought gear for for the closing night party, and it's called Lucy in Disguise. And I thought that was so cool. That's not so, bad. No. That's pretty good. Yeah. 
But it's no My Lord's Milady. My Lord's Milady so, yeah. is the best. No, and no. Uh, near, somewhat near in Thousand Oaks, there's a uh, a pet grooming place called Indiana Bones in the Temple yes. of Groom. There's one in Simi Valley also now. They, oh, they, okay. they have two locations. <laughs> do you think that place, like, do you think Which those one? places. My Lord's and My Ladies? Any of them, all of the above. <laughs> do you think they get their business primarily because people are like, I need to give these people my money? Like, it's I don't like the I best don't... kind of mom and pop shop. They're like, exactly. Oh, that it's like, made. I don't stand behind any of their products or any of their services, but I need to encourage pun related. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think in Chicago, and I think I've heard there are other hair places called this but in chicago there's a place called curl up and die d-y-e that's not bad that's actually that's solid yeah now this has nothing to do with anything but i haven't mentioned it on the show before and we've got kind of a loosey-goosey vibe going right now (laughs) totally so um in a couple months i might be going to uh visit my old uh hometown of taft california and i haven't been there in uh four years at this point and so i was looking up hotels to stay at because i didn't want to stay at the one that i had stayed at before and there's not at which I'd stayed before. Um, and there's uh, there's not that many ho- hotels and motels in the, in the, in the town. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up one called uh, – I think it's called the, the Caprice Motel. Hmm. Fair enough. Sure. It's fine. Then I went to the website. And the we- it's, here's the thing. It's a standard motel. It, you all like just – it looks like any other motel you've been to in your ev- – just everywhere. Uh, but – Someone, some drifter, some con man blown through town convinced this hotel they needed this website, damn it. And it is the, it is the most ridiculous thing, right? Like it's got music playing, but what? the music really makes it seem like, are you ready? For, it's, it, it's the music that belongs to like a Las Vegas hotel. And the logo like moves like, are you ready for the Caprice Motel? Oh my God. And then they show like photos. It's like. Oh, yeah, it's just a hotel. <laughs> but then there's one photo where you can tell, like, oh, somebody with a nicer car is staying in our motel. Get the camera because we really want to show, like, higher class people. You know they waited, like, here. weeks for that individual to show up. They're like, oh, get the camera, get the but, camera. But here's the thing. Is can, that, can the website go live yet? No. no. We don't have the right car. I'm a Lamborghini got out a there. Jetta. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Look, I understand you don't want to wait, but once – once you uh, once this goes up, you'll know why we waited. <laughs> so, but then there's a, a link where you can click on that says gallery, so you can behold all, everything that this place has to offer. The and the first photo that comes up is like, and I guess I understand why, which is like the reception area because this is where you will first be greeted mm. by the Caprice staff, and. It is a room about as big as my bathroom and in less in like worse shape. And so like and and behind the and behind the desk is this woman who just looks bored and is not looking at the camera. She's you could she could be standing and smiling at the camera like welcome to the Caprice Motel. But it's like it's like someone took a photo without saying, Hey, we're taking a photo for the website to welcome people in and it just looks like the most depressing place. But again, Nobody, nobody knows, and they just uh, – so I've linked to it like four times on Twitter because everybody needs to go to this website. Oh my I might turn it into its own post on BattleshipPretension.com because, listeners, you need to go to this place. I want there to be a spike 
of of traffic to that website and they're suddenly like what the hell why is not that believe me i don't think these people know how to look up their stats because that would en- imply any kind of web savvy but are you looking it up now the caprice motel taft california i'm gonna write this second okay but uh hotel. that know, has nothing to do with anything speaking but of we're hotels, talking about businesses and i wanted to bring it up uh, and i'll talk about hotels while he's looking it up and then we'll ask tim some actual questions about himself <laughs> i um Let's just let's just get this real quick. There you go. I want to stay here instantly. <laughs> oh, okay. So they've got a truck and what looked to be a yellow sports car in the front. And it's clear. It's near the skydive place and uh-huh. the fort, the historic fort. Yeah. This is a very homely joint. I kind of want to go here and just feel at home. Oh, there's no question. This is where I'm going to stay when I go. We got a yellow Civic in the parking lot. That's- <laughs> and you talk about how the name of the hotel moves around. It just the words just sort of like shuffle back yeah, and yeah. forth. Yeah, they just kind of glide. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> either way, you can tell they're like, "Oh yeah. Here we go." And that guy made a cool 200 bucks and then blew out of town. So, um I was saying that um my girlfriend and I booked a trip to uh, Chicago for, uh, this fall. We're going to go to Chicago. I haven't been in it'll be 6 years by that point. Nice. Um and we were looking for hotels, and we found a place, had some bad reviews, but read the bad, bad reviews, and it seemed like, oh, those just seem like spoiled people who can't deal with an older hotel. Exactly. Uh, so we, we made our, our, our reservations. Then I did some more research and realized that um, the housekeeping staff is on strike at this hotel. Oh. And has been on strike since 2003. It's the longest currently ongoing strike in the United States. Uh, the average housekeeper in Chicago makes about 14.50 an hour I think it said. Mm-hmm. Housekeepers at the Congress Plaza Hotel make 8.80. Oh wow. Wow. I can't support that. I would go on strike for that. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not uh, I don't care if it has old like <coughs> Mad Men style charms and being very 60s. Um I I can't I can't can't cross a picket line. Wait, this is the con- This is the one that was on strike when we were going to school. Yes. It was right by our school. And it's still going on? That same strike still going on. Here's the thing. I hate to say it. I don't think it's going to work out for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was reading like there's a thing where um, uh, then Senator Obama mm-hmm. in the sort of 2007 like gear up uh, a run up to his campaign like stopped by and talked to the workers there. And he said like hopefully the next time I'm here I'll be talking to you as president and then, like i guess even in 2007 they already knew this thing's not ending anytime yeah. soon like he, he said like listen we both know you guys are still going to be out here in, in 2008 <laughs> or 2009 by the time i take office it's like when you go back to your hometown and that friend that old friend of yours is still working at that store yeah. but he but he got like a the, not you know what I'm being, he didn't get a promotion. He's not going to get a promotion. Mm-hmm. He's just in the same place, just working at that store, and just like, oh. And you don't necessarily feel better than that person, but you just want to be like, man, come on. Like, it's been years now. You've really got to yeah. move up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, wor- I worked at um, the Arclight for a while um, uh, five years ago. And when I go in there now, at, at this point, if there's someone that I remember from when I worked there, I don't even – like. I don't think they don't act like they remember it's, me yet. Like it's super I, awkward, yeah. Cause, not part cause, of the same world anymore. I used to work. I worked at a supermarket down in Simi Valley, for, like when I was at right out of high school, and like yeah, I had a bunch of friends that went there and worked there. And then um, I was in there like recently, the first time in years, and I was like, "Ooh, a bunch of you still work here." Okay, and, and I've I've moved jobs like twice since then. And I'm like, 
Am I the only one who wants more from this no. existence? But yeah, I, I don't know. And who knows? Like, I don't mean to necessarily uh, judge those people, though no, no. I clearly already have. But it's the just some people. Who knows? They may have like expenses, and I'd rather have this job than no job. Sure. And so sure. I, I absolutely understand totally. that. But it is one of those things where it's like there's, there has to be something better. Like, yeah. right? I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think we're even talking like judging those people. I think we're just talking about how we have. Moved past. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We are not a part of that world anymore. I think there's yeah. also like a security too. Like they don't want to, you know, like they're worried about the unknown. Like, yeah, yeah. I, better I mean, the devil you know than exactly, the devil you exactly. Like, exactly. it's the equivalent of people like kids with rich parents who like go to grad school not because they need to, but because yeah. they're afraid to not be in school anymore. Yep. Like yep. they're right. afraid to move on into the real, yep. real world. Oh. Okay, so we there, there so, are two classes of people who go to grad school: people who go to grad school because they're after. A degree, and and I think that's probably most of them. Sure, you okay. know, and, sure. and 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 they know what they want, and they're committed. And then there are kids with rich parents who are afraid to be a part of the real world. Watch out! We're getting uh, a, lot of, a lot of feedback this episode. I feel <laughs> oh, I, I feel like we've probably offended a lot of people, especially the folks at the Caprice. They're not going to be too happy. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like a long, t- a quaint time when we were just talking about James Elroy? <laughs> so, uh, Tim, here we go. Yes, Tim, tell us about okay. Um, I want. I of course I want to talk more about Simi Valley about how awesome the fireworks there are oh, uh, yeah. on Fourth of July. Oh, yeah. But um, tell us about you as a as a film geek. Um, how did you How did you come to film? What sort of films do you like? And and for those who don't know, what do you do on the Golden Briefcase? Sure. Um, yeah, I'll start with Golden Briefcase. It's a podcast I, I co-host um, with Jeremy Kirk, and uh, I met him through. <clears throat> excuse me. We are moviegeeks.com. It was a, just a film blog uh, that was running for. They're actually still running, but. They've uh, since changed staff, but we kind of met there, and that's when we had the first iteration of the Golden Briefcase. And he actually comes from St. Louis originally, oh. so uh, I had only—I've actually only just met Jeremy this past September when I went to Austin, where he is now residing. So, um, and then we moved over to FirstShowing.net after uh, We Are Movie Geeks kind of folded a little bit. They changed ownership, and we just didn't really like where the show and the site was going. So we moved on, and. Uh, Alex uh, Billington, who owns First Showing, um, he had been a guest a couple times on the show. Really loved the vibe and you know the the kind of conversations we would have. So he invited us on, and uh, yeah, we've been there for almost or about two years now. Just crossed episode 100, so we're feeling pretty good about that. But uh, yeah, so I, I host that, and um, Jeremy is an awesome co-host. You guys, everyone, check out the show if you want to hear more of our banter, similar to what you guys do. And uh, yeah, me as a film geek, I kind of I've been watching movies for as long as I can. The, the first film I can recollect seeing was uh, like in its entire was uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. I saw it mm-hmm. on Easter Sunday um, when I was probably about seven or eight years old, and um, stuck with me forever. And I've been a huge Star Wars geek ever since, except for, of course, you know, some of the, sure. the more recent damages to the Star Wars property. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, do you from, like Clone Wars? Do you watch that show? Honestly, I watched like the first couple episodes, and I dug it a lot. Um, I've, I've been told I need to keep watching it. Though. Yeah, what I, I don't watch it regularly. What I have watched, I've actually quite. Yeah, liked. it's pretty cool. I, I like the animation style. So I'll, who knows? That that might be the one glimmering hope of you know Star Wars that still exists. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then ever since that point, when I saw Star Wars, I became enamored with it, and then I started realizing, oh, this is not the only film that exists, and <laughs> started branching out. I got really into westerns when I was younger. I loved uh, Stagecoach and you know, all the all the John Wayne flicks and stuff like that. Um, and then once I started getting into, or once I was in like high school, I started realizing that I really had a kind of a penchant for horror movies and sci-fi and uh, genre of cinema, you know, in general. Yeah. Um, and I saw you know Alien and fell in love, and I was like. There are more films like this too, and that watch the thing, and and all sorts of other you know really classic genre bending sort of sci-fi and horror flicks, and um, 
then I yeah I realized I I not only did I want to always talk about movies I wanted to make them also and I started just making shorts on like my old crappy like high camera that I had and you see my little brother as the star of every single movie because you know <laughs> yeah that, that's how it goes when you have no money when you're a child but uh yeah I've been I've been working on movies for years I've done a lot of visual effects work and whatnot um but I mean when when all is said and done I'm I'm a film geek and I love just talking and and that's why podcasting is such an awesome outlet because you get to do this for hours and it's and, great and I um I don't want this to sound uh, condescending, I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, gonna. This is supposed to be impugning myself, okay? <laughs> because I knew you as a genre guy, and when I, I listened to Criterion Cast, I saw your name come up as the guest for the Secret of the Grain. I was yes. like, I was like, really? <laughs> Tim's gonna talk about that movie? It's weird, right? But no, it was it was it's it was a great episode. Yeah, it, that's so, and that's so the I, other I, thing too. What I'm getting at is that you don't oh, you're not. Solely not, a genre. No, no, no. You're not that, that is merely. Merely. <laughs> not just that. No, I that's of course where my heart is. I love film in all shapes and sizes. I, I especially love foreign cinema. And I think um, most foreign directors, and this is outside of the genres I look to, I think most foreign directors have it more figured out than American directors do. And I feel like the stories told there are stripped of a lot of the American ideologies and, and, and think and thought processes and whatnot. And um, mo- most of my favorite films every year, uh, I'd say about Forty to fifty percent of them have been from outside of America, and like, do you think that it actually is the filmmakers, or do you think? Because my theory on, because I think I know what you're getting at, mm-hmm. and my theory on that is that more often in in Canada, in England, in France, and Australia, and, and a lot of other places you can name, a lot of funding comes from the government. There's it does. Government arts yes. funding, yeah. Whereas so much, there are so many more business decisions, and that's why you see things like. You know, uh, did did Thor the movie actually have to have a romance subplot to it? It didn't, no. right? That's not, no. it, it's not it's not important to mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. Um, same with John Carter recently. I think that was the the romance yep. stuff was not was not important, uh, but that kind of stuff is in there for business sense. Of course, but, uh, that, of that's my theory. Is that I don't know that it is the culture of filmmaking so yeah. much as it is just yeah. You might have business. a good point there. I, it, it's something I've been, I guess, trying to concrete my thoughts a little bit better on, but like. I feel that especially – I mean some of my favorite films have come out of South Korea and I feel like and, – and Korean films get a ton of funding from the government. Like before you see a Korean movie, you get like five or six ads really quick for all the various governmental funds that they have. Um, and, and I feel obviously that in that, it, that money coming from elsewhere and they don't have to please all these other businesses and production companies and whatnot, they're able to uh, – exercise their story a little bit more freely um especially south korean you know like revenge films and stuff like those are bleak movies and those would never fly in the u.s because there's no redemption usually or it's a redemption the audience isn't familiar or comfortable with um and i've always found that um and and maybe it's not boldness maybe it's it it is like you said it's just that's how it is over there i found that more appealing i guess in the films that i view every year and and so i always seek out uh the foreign cinema that, that we see at film festivals and whatnot and i feel like those are the kind of the gems that unfortunately no one really sees and I think that's been a huge reason why I love doing you know podcasts and stuff is you do get to reach out and kind of make people aware of that stuff. So, do you think there is a snowball's chance in hell that an American remake of Old Boy is going to be any good at all? No, <laughs> I, I really don't. <laughs> it, and they're going to butcher it all to hell. And even it's gonna, with Spike Lee, whom I like, which same here. Yeah, I, I do like Spike Lee. I'm I'm interested. I can almost guarantee I'm not going to be pleased with the final product. Or it's, it, I'm trying to think of. Um, a situation where yeah okay like so remakes and that's a whole you know talk right there but uh let me in the remake matt reeves did of let the right one in uh thomas alfredson's film um, uh, i haven't seen the remake i've only seen it's good okay thomas well I'll, let me tell you i i love the original it's my favorite film that year i think mm-hmm. it was 2009 or whenever it came out originally and um 
he did a fantastic job. Told a very similar story and in some ways actually made it a little bit more brutal and honest than the original was, which I, I found very refreshing. I actually got to interview him for our podcast. You can find that episode from a couple years ago. But um, and, and it was one of those things where you can hear in, – in, I don't know. You can hear the distinct difference between a director who just made it because they thought it would be cool and someone who actually found meaning in the story, and he did. And he had a lot of personal attachment to the, the character of uh, you know the young boy who plays uh, – who's played really great – by Cody Smith McPhee in the new one. He's fantastic. And um, after his talk, we talked to him for like two hours and, and he just was like just pouring out, this is why the remake can work and this is why other remakes can work. That talk definitely made me a little bit more optimistic about remakes. It's, the old boy is a really rough flick, especially when all is said and done. And, you know, I won't spoil or anything, but the story does not end in an uplifting fashion. And I'm, I'm worried that they're going to take that aspect of it and change it. And that's, in my opinion, going to ruin the impact. And yeah, we still have to dance around it. Uh, I can see Spike Lee getting through a bit of a downer ending, mm-hmm. but the specifics yes. of that, the way that story plays out, I think there are some things that won't play well to American yeah. audiences. In Not the, at all. Uh, but you, you haven't seen Old Boy, right? No, I haven't. Okay. Everyone sure says I'll love it, and I'm sure I probably yeah, will. I mean, borrow it, it anytime. I've yeah. got two copies of it on DVD. Yeah. No, you should just give me one. <laughs> just give them one. Yeah. No, <laughs> Old Boy, honestly, it's not even my favorite of the Vengeance trilogy. I'm, I'm a big fan of Lady Vengeance. Yeah, and that's one, one I haven't seen, actually. It's it's a very different film. In my opinion, it's the most beautiful and poetic of all of them. But uh, those are like that one, and then the first one, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. I'm kind of like, just don't touch those. Because Old Boy is certainly the more mainstream of the three, mm-hmm. and it, it had the most uh, commercial success. And it's like, that one, yeah, they might be able to pull it off. I don't think it's really going to you know, yeah. hold a flame to the original. I saw Old Boy first, and I heard that – I had heard people say that Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance wasn't as good and like don't get your hopes up. And maybe it's because of that that I went in and I fucking loved it. It's great. It's, I really do I, like I, it. But yeah, I do see what you're saying. It's less It's less straight – straightforward isn't the right because Old Boy is very twisty and turny, but yeah. it has – Old Boy has a lot of forward momentum that I think is what mm-hmm. you mean maybe when you talk about it being accessible, whereas Sympathy uh, for Mr. Vengeance is sort of episodic. Yeah, very much uh, so. And, and and you're not there's not a very clear-cut hero character um, either in, in that one. And then uh, Lady Vengeance does kind of get that one. Old Boy, though, you do have this main character, right. and, and you're with his plight. So. Well, I decided we were talking about how we didn't know quite what the topic was today. I decided we're talking about recent genre movies. Sure. From the past, I don't know. Let's not define it. Five, ten years, whatever. Oh, Why not, right? now, uh, I, now I don't have a list in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let's get into it, shall we? Because uh, there's some re- particularly recent things that I want to get uh, your opinion on. Yeah. Um, John Carter, you saw it? I, I have not seen John Carter. Oh, okay. No, no sorry. Could, yeah. Well, then. I, uh, Moving on. We'll skip that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, now this episode won't be up for a few weeks from the time we're recording it, but this past weekend, I think, was a very good weekend for genre mm-hmm. film because it had two. Uh, big genre releases, uh, The Hunger Games, which I I didn't write the view for the website, so I want to make sure everyone knows that I really, really liked The Hunger Games. <laughs> I almost said I loved it, and I don't know if that's entirely true, but I really, really liked The Hunger Games, um, and wasn't even surprised by that. But I know you haven't seen it yet. Not yet. Tim. No, no. Tyler, you have. Yes. But, uh, well, should we get out any... Uh, we're uh, we're going to talk about it. Uh, there's going to be another format where you can hear us talk about it soon. Um but uh we could here's the thing though we could and we shouldn't we shouldn't do it now because we do have a guest who who can't take part in the conversation right. but it, it is possible i think for us to talk about that movie for an hour if you know what i mean like and From so what i gathered off mike yes yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. You very much yeah. yeah we we already did plenty of the talking without the guests yeah <laughs> We're just not going to do it again. We right. already did it, <laughs> just not when the when the uh, but mic was on. But you didn't like it 
as much. It was not I didn't like it as much. Hated it. No, not. Just, I would venture to say I liked it. I just yeah, felt just like it could have been more. Taking up a counter position to mine that makes you sound like you hate it more than you do. I right. think <laughs> because I liked it so much. Yeah. Um, so that uh, yeah, I, I recommend people uh, check out the Hunger Games definitely. But the other one that came out that I think is uh, you know the talk of sort of this this world that we inhabit, this yes. internet film geekery. Mirror, world. mirror. Uh, no, of which course, I saw um, last night. Um, <laughs> and man, Mirror Mirror, I wanted it to be good. I like Tarsem. I really liked Immortals. I know listeners know. I don't know if you know Tim. I loved Immortals. I thought uh, it was a lot of fun. Maybe loved just again. I'm being a little uh, being gracious being with those terms. Today. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked Immortals a lot, um, and so I went in with hopes high, despite a bad trailer. I know you can't judge me by a trailer. Mm-hmm. Went in with hopes. My hopes were high for Mirror Mirror, and Tarsem just. He just missed the mark, like, at every possible turn. It's but not good at all. Let me ask you this. Like, and we were just talking about, you know, working within a studio. And, I, and of course, I haven't seen Mirror Mirror. Um, I say, of course, because of course. But, um, <laughs> of course. But it's one of those things that... Uh, and it hasn't come out yet at the time we're recording. Well, they're, they're, yeah. But... <laughs> I'm I'm taking into account when this is coming out. I've not <laughs> you seen. You still it. won't have seen it. So, um, but it's uh, everything about that. Like it's 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 but, one of two Snow White movies, right? Yeah. That's that's uh, going to be released, and it's, it's the family one. The it's family the family one. one. So that in itself, right there, it's the family one. It is. It's it's meant to evoke, not necessarily evoke the Dis- the Disney one, but that's the first one we think of, and so it needs sure. to rather than work. You know, actively work against that. It needs to play up and almost comment on that. That's the impression I got from your review. Um, and it just seems like it almost seems to me like there are so many. I won't say restrictions. There are so many limitations put on the filmmaker. I don't think he could have ex- done anything to go to go against the film that w- that it eventually was made. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's you say studio, but it's the same. It's relativity. The same studio for which he made Immortals. He okay. clearly has a relationship with them. They like him, um, and I, you know, uh, Immortals did well. But um, it is. It's a pre-existing thing, and the studio has to has to know that the public has a relationship with the story of of Snow White, mm-hmm. and it's and the relationship is one of family friendly. And this one was going to be family friendly, and so. But I, I don't think that Tars. I'm not saying that Tarsem can't make a great family-friendly film. I think he can. Uh, I think he could if it were not based on something else that we all, that is already in the public consciousness mm-hmm. and the studio knows that. I, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe that's what the problem is. I will say this. When I saw the trailer for Mirror Mirror, we, we actually talked about it on the podcast. Um, we, we were not positive about it at all. I thought it looked so silly. And the more and more I thought about it, though, I did start thinking, oh, well, this could work, actually. Because you know, like you said, you can't judge a trailer. And mm-hmm. it was really hard not to, especially with the first trailer. We saw. <laughs> yeah. just, you're like, and then uh, we also had Snow White and the Huntsman, which is the other you know film that's coming out, which looks it looks really cool. And, and, who, and who directed that? I forget. Oh, it, I cannot remember his name. I could look it up. But beside the point, the... Uh, the the thing about Tarsem, I, I like Tarsem a lot too. I, I love The Fall. It was one of my favorite movies when it came out. And um, I think the guy has really distinct style, and I, I'd love to see that explored. I'm with you though. I think the pre existing content of Snow White it harms it though, because you're kind of like, eh, we've already seen the story. He's got before, less room know? to play. I, exactly. I can see what you're doing. Exactly. I can see where you're Less no. room to play, provided you still want to try to get the same audience as that other one. You could go actively against it and make a very adult film and then you can do what you want I think and people will know that's what you're trying for mm-hmm. but um, 
Snow White and the Huntsman but, is uh, Rupert Sanders, by the way. Rupert okay. Sanders. That's yeah. some, by the way, yeah. I know I'm still cliffing because I talked about a movie everyone's talking about. And we still haven't said Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. But I also <laughs> wanted to say, and I might have said this last week uh, or two weeks ago on the podcast, but sometimes I forget what I say on and off the podcast. Speaking of trailers that don't do the thing justice, I, I, I try not to watch trailers and generally until after I see a movie. I'm mm. curious to compare. And so I saw a couple weeks ago uh, Jeff Who Lives at Home, and mm. I loved it. And other people were like, that looks really bad when I told them the next day. So I looked at the trailer and I was like, yeah, that looks really mm. bad. That's a really bad trailer. It's not a good Did trailer. Did I talk about this? Uh, we talked about it with Colin, but I think that I was think, I think we uh, – yeah, I don't remember yeah, I because remember. That, that was a long day. But uh, yeah, I want people to know um, that Jeff Who Lives at Home is definitely worth seeing. Mm. So the other movie that came out this past Friday as of the recording um, that everyone's uh, a buzz about is The Raid, colon, Redemption. Uh, now that one you have seen. Yes, I actually just saw this past weekend. Um, uh, kind of a situation where, if you guys remember, Attack the Block from last year came uh-huh. out at uh, South by Southwest, got this amazing buzz from our kind of circle, a bunch of fellow colleagues and film critics. Um, that one I know disappointed a lot of people when they finally saw it because they felt that it had gotten built up a lot. Not me personally, I loved Attack I, the I Block. I loved it, I, and I, I also great. I also waited to see it, and I, I loved it. Yeah, I was yeah. I was disappointed by it. Oh, I'm, I'm one of those people. That's okay. Sorry. It's okay. This is a film, though, kind of on the contrary to that. The Raid lived up to the hype and exceeded it for me because this is something I've been hearing about since September because I went to Fantastic Fest, as I mentioned, and we were all really hoping for a secret screening. It wasn't announced. Unfortunately, we didn't see one there. But the week prior to that was the Toronto Film Festival, which is where they kind of premiered it, and it got tons of buzz. When it was still just called The Raid. Yeah, it was called The Raid, and... um, I you know I'd heard it's 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 the best action movie since you know Die Hard or whatever and I I don't know if I would say like that about it specifically it's an awesome action flick though and it and it kicks so much ass and like when all is said and done you feel like you ran a marathon and like you've seen some really inventive combat before this one for me kind of takes the cake especially like I'm a huge fan of um, single location films or really constrained locations and this one is in this high rise like slum apartment building for like you know 95 percent of the movie and I feel that they uh, Gareth Evans who directed I think he used that to his advantage like so well like using um the different corridors and the hallways and Mm -hmm. it has this really great drop that goes down the middle of the building where you know you can kind of look down to the the floors below you uses all that very very well and um he uses that center uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. there's one particular part where he uses that center (laughs) open space and and uh, i didn't see coming and it was there are a number of points in the movie where i like out loud went oh or holy shit yep and that was one of them yep yeah well because and that's the thing you feel you've seen this sort of movie before and to be fair you have you've seen similar style martial art films and you've seen you know sort of cop raid films this one though he consistently surprised me in terms of how he presented the action and and you know uh i went and saw it with my fiance and, and her brother and and uh he i showed him marantau which was gareth evans previous film with um the star eq whatever his name is and uh he loved that and, and he said this one was just you know it, significantly better and uh i, I and i agree uh, before i get to because i do have some actual problems with the raid there's yeah. a couple things i want to well first off as do i i do too i, I want to ask you because i saw it in february um and i think it was shortly after they had announced the name change um 
did the title card on the film say just the raid or did it say no, redemption? It says redemption? Really? Yeah. Okay. When I when I saw it, I guess I still had an older print because it just said yeah. the raid. Why did they have to add the redemption thing they, to it? They uh, legally could not obtain the rights to the the title, the raid. There's already like two or three films that are called the raid that have come out in U.S. distribution. Oh, and, okay. And of course, they're trying to franchise it, so they're oh, like okay. subtitle it. Yeah. Horrible subtitle. It's not a good subtitle. It doesn't even. It, Is there any redemption in no, the film? I've heard people argue that it does fit in thematically, but I don't think it. I, I don't. Think I, I don't think it does either. And also, as friend of the show, uh, Patrick Starr from Pretend for Real Studios pointed out to me, the uh, or Redemption is a stupid subtitle for the first film in his trilogy. Right. They should have called it The Raid. Violence. <laughs> right. The Raid. Ass-kicking. Yeah, it would have been like, sweet. It, no, and I'm with you. The subtitle, as much as I wanted to kick it, uh, it, it did bother me the whole entire movie because – then I started thinking, and, and I had tried not to read anything on it. I was like, "Do they add stuff?" Like, I mean, because everyone I talked to who saw it was like, "It doesn't work contextually. That there is no redemption in the movie. Yeah, it it's just make sense. no. It doesn't." And I, have, I too, have seen arguments where they're like, "Well, if you look at it this way," and I'm like, "No," because it was never called this to begin with. This is, you know, the studio slapped it on. And I read Gareth Evans' uh, statement. He put it up on his, his personal blog. He was like, "I'm, I don't like the name change. We have to do it though." He's like, "Otherwise, you guys aren't going to see my movie." And mm-hmm. I'm with that because I know otherwise from that title card nothing else has been changed and the movie still kicks ass and it's a lot of fun i have a question this is uh tangential to the conversation we're kind of having um which is where's genre stuff okay, right, like, sure sure that's that's a new development by the way that we're having that conversation but like and this might be a whole episode in itself so we don't have to spend that much time on it but like how important is title overall whether it be mm-hmm. important to you or important to film in general like for example, yeah. th- c- there are some there are some words that are thrown into movies, and at this point, even though we all know what the word means in everyday English, but you if you if you title a movie that it's like yeah all right, <laughs> it, it, and that's it. Like it th- it could have been called the raid legacy, mm. or and it's just like yeah all right legacy sure. <laughs> it just it, the words don't mean anything. They're just title type words, mm-hmm. and so like the raid could have been called pretty much anything. And nobody would have cared. But then there are some – I feel like there are some movies – I'm thinking about this because I recently had a conversation with, with some people in which we were talking about the movie A Serious Man mm-hmm. and trying to think, well, what does that title mean? Yeah. And That's funny that you mentioned – because when you said is the title important, the first thing that popped in my head was a Coen Brothers title, The Man Who Wasn't There. I think, yeah. that, I think that's a great title a and, and, it, title. and yeah. it is important. And it's, and it's weird. Like in the in, – with certain films and with certain filmmakers – the title is a supplement to the film that they've made totally. as opposed to just, well, we got to call it something. Yeah. Uh, redemption. Beyond, let's say Beyond Redemption because this <laughs> – like look how, how, that fa- how that sounds. And then like stuff like uh, Under Suspicion and just like all that sort of thing. And <laughs> yeah. just Striking distance. <laughs> Terminal velocity. <laughs> you know, or, if you, uh, what's if, the new one? Premium Rush with uh, Joseph Gordon. <laughs> I was like, really? But oh, the, is that the the bike messenger movie? Yeah. Well, that I guess is. Sorry to tangent again, but uh, uh, Premium Rush is a type of bike messaging service you can pay for. Okay. And when I found that out, I I was like, okay, okay, that's fair enough. It sounds like adrenaline pumper or something <laughs> right. like that. Where you're like, <sighs> what's the the um. Uh, Denzel Washington, Carl Franklin movie that I actually kind of liked, Out of Time. Like, yeah. I, I think that, that movie kind of came and went. No one saw it, but yeah. I like Carl Franklin. Oh, he had like a Hawaiian um, shirt on the front, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, like kind of like it's, doing uh, the Denzel yeah, look away. It yeah. takes place in Florida. But yes, it's, that's I, right. Um, 
where everyone wears Hawaiian shirts, as <laughs> we know, of course. Um, but yeah, I think people don't uh, know uh, people like Carl Franklin made Devil in a Blue Dress and, of course, One False Move, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of my favorite. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think one of the best crime cop movies ever is. One yeah, one False of the best Move. movies of the last uh, hundred years. Yeah, mm. but uh, <laughs> and so and, I, and it, even One False Move. Yeah, it is With kind that, of not a yeah. great, not a great, not a great title. Yeah, but yeah, so weird. out of time, that's an awful title, and it's yeah. not as good, nowhere near as good a movie as One False Move. But I think you cut that guy some slack because he made One False Move. Sure, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine. But it's, it's, a, just, it's a fun movie. One, it's just one of those things. Like it, it got me thinking because of a word like redemption in in the context of movie titles, it means almost nothing. Yep, it's just these, this is the type of word that could sound neat. In a movie. So let's go with that. All right. I I was thinking, because I know the second one's supposed to be called The Raid Retaliation. Something like that, yeah. So if if he's going for this uh, alliterative thing, how about uh, this one, instead of redemption, rivalry, right? That would make more sense than redemption. They need to to pull a Resident Evil and do, uh, what is it, Retribution? Is that what the newest one was? I was like... And then it's like, hey... Franchise is over. What? Resurrection. Yep. Bring it back. Yeah. But... Resident Evil actually had like a there was like a story there t- it was like Resident Evil then Extinction yes then then Resurrection like, yeah or there and then they had like Apocalypse and I don't know like oh they, yeah, yeah they've done every you know uh, Wait, I think sub- Apocalypse and Extinction know. but like there's a story they're telling like yeah with the titles mm-hmm. uh, which I actually liked even though I stopped after the second movie because yeah, it was wise wise move yeah oh I I like to some extent will defend the first Resident Evil. Oh, yeah. It's a will fun too. movie. I, I will too. Um, it falls apart as it goes on, I think, um, but I really like the first half of it or so. Yeah. But that second one, there is no excuse for any single frame of that movie. It's funny. A good buddy of my, oh, my sister's boyfriend, I keep forgetting they're dating, um, he he just got a job working for Paul W. S. Anderson's company doing a set uh-huh. design. And I'm like, ooh, okay, well, I'll forgive you. At least the movies look cool. Let's just say that. Like, <laughs> How they come together? You could that's be working right. at a supermarket. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> very, very, very yeah, true. Everyone's got to have a job. Um, okay, things I things I didn't like about the raid. Yeah, um, have mostly to do with. Uh, I guess the story mm-hmm. is kind of, and it's not not that not that easy to get invested in. There's not a whole it's, lot no. there, but uh, even that I would be okay with. Um, but. I think the thing that really bothered me is that you talk about the levels of the, and I talk about, I'm repeating what I wrote in my review on the website, battleshippretension.com, but the levels of the thing, it's kind of like a video game. Yeah, like they have absolutely. to work their way up. But the thing, like, uh, the point I made in my review is that a video game has to have rules. That's what makes it a game. That's what makes it fun. And there are certain logic and rules things that the raid establishes and then contradicts itself on. Uh, it, namely, the fact that there are cameras in all the hallways. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like they cl- they couldn't be doing what they're doing here. That's true. Um, and another thing that bothered me, and I don't think this is really a spoiler, is that it's established early on there are men outside with guns covering the windows, so they yes. need to stay away from the windows. Yes. And then there's a part where he, uh, a guy is outside the window for a second. He gets shot at, so it's like still with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then he gets in the room and he spends the next like two minutes just standing in front yeah. of the window and there's a yeah, whole scene yeah, yeah. there and like I didn't even I don't, I don't even know what was going on in the scene because I was just like you can't stand in front of the window they're gonna shoot <laughs> you you gotta move back. no no I'm with you and I, I feel like those are things and it's really tough to say this because we say this isn't an excuse for other films where you do almost have to not turn your brain off but almost dumb yourself and that's not to discredit Gareth Evans either because I think any other director might have also stumbled into these same uh-huh. issues. I, I think their point is our story is our combat and our action. And it's like, 
does that can we forgive the movie for that? I don't think so. To me, though, I had enough thrill elsewhere in the movie that I did kind of forgive it. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I'm just saying that's what keeps it from being an A movie for sure. me. It's a, yeah, it's a B. Yeah, but, I, um, I would give it like probably an A minus if I were to let it grade it. But but yeah. if we're talking just about the the the, the, uh, the fight scenes, uh, you know, I uh, I talk about story, but in in a sort of abstract way, each fight scene tells its own story in sure. little stories, and and that's what I love. I love how long each fight goes on. Um, but in a way that is not boring, mm-hmm. that uh, you almost can't believe it's still going, and you're and you don't want it to end. Hmm. But also, um, and again, I'm repeating myself. I think I think I said this in the review. Every time there would be a fight scene, like say the eighth floor machete fight thing, yeah. uh, which is the one that culminates in the window thing. Uh, every time there would be a fight scene, that I would think, well, clearly this is the centerpiece action. Say, uh, you know, yeah, sequence the main of the movie. fight, yeah, the boss fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next one would be the next one would then be even crazier. Oh, I, I'm with you, yeah, because that that particular sequence. Um, it, it, and I'm glad you mentioned that there's a little story in there because, and this is without spoiling, one of one of the henchmen gets killed, and then there is another henchman who, and maybe I just picked this out. I don't know. It appears that it, they might have been related or good friends or something like that because one of the guys who doesn't seem to be a main character whatsoever looks super fired up that his buddy or his brother or whatever just right. got killed, and that to me, I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, there's there's a reason, and it's a bad guy, and you're almost think, uh, sympathizing with the bad guy, and you're like, oh, this is interesting. I kind of like that. Uh-huh. So yeah, stuff like that. But I totally. Agree. Every every time you think you've hit the you know the, the apex of the fighting, oh no no you rise above. There's yeah. I mean the final fight of the film it, it goes on for like what like ten fifteen minutes. And this it's, is the, the it, two on one two on one yeah. fight, and you're just like oh, yeah it's it's mind blowing. That so was quite good. a face you just made. Thank you. <laughs> but the uh, and having not seen the film, I'm going to be seeing it tomorrow, and everything you say makes me actually look forward to it more. Um, but uh, is it one of those things that it's almost this. This is the only word I can think of. It's almost experimental and deconstructionist of like hmm. action movies where it's just like, look, and, and not, I, I think this is not, this might is not be the word that you're It's not a cynical thing. Like where it's just like, the, look, you're not coming to an action movie to see, cause you and I've had this conversation on the show before. You're not coming to an action movie to see character. Sure. Character might get you more invested in the action, but ultimately if it were just character, you'd be disappointed because there's an action movie. You want to see the action. Um, and so, uh, and I know this is a conversation I've had with the uh, blogger in front of the show, Scott Nye, who actually will defend um, like Michael Bay mm. by mm. saying like he gives people what they want, not merely in the sense of like eh, it's for twelve year old boys. It's for people who come to see an action movie sure. because it's an action movie, and that's why they're seeing it. They don't but want I, to see a drama I, in the I midst would, of the action. I'm going to argue with Scott through you. Yeah, I like I action movies, and I don't like Michael Bay right. movies. Right. The, the question then is. Does he do the action well? And I don't think he does. But uh, but, but I think what uh, I agree with what you're getting at, and maybe, I don't know if decon- deconstruction is close to what uh, I think it is, but it's almost like it's distilled and like paring it down to the the essentials. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, yeah, it's a it's like a, like a reduction sauce, right? Yes, yes. I, I know Tim's ah, a food guy. Reference, nice. um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's the rate is almost to action as maybe like Anchorman is to comedy. Sure, where yeah, it's that's like, a good that's a good yeah. reference. Yeah, it, it, it's like the story is secondary. Let's just try and cram as much comedy into every yeah. inch of this movie that we can. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, the raid. I mean, the raid does have a story, and I, I thought for for its simplicity, it was still engaging enough. Where you, it, it, in my opinion, it was the glue that kind of held the rest of the combat together. Um, my my problem may have lied then with with its simplicity, and then that's why I kind of forgave it because I was like, oh, again, kind of like what you're saying about Michael Bay, and you're like, 
it, that's not why I'm here, and it's certainly that's that's not the part I walked away with, like being bothered by or anything like that. I that was the last thing on my mind until you know a couple of days ago when I started rethinking the movie, and I feel that the action scenes, in terms of the enjoyment of the, of the overall film, those are certainly going to outweigh maybe your your you know displeasure at the story. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think though once you see it. Yeah, I think based on because I've read several reviews of it, um, and uh, and it sounds. I, I want to try and go in with a certain mentality because listeners know that I'm I, I enjoy strong characters and dialogue and and that sort of thing and great acting and I and it sounds like this movie it's not that it lacks those things it's that those aren't the folk the focus yeah. and so I've been able to with other movies adapt properly to mm-hmm. what the film is actually trying to do rather than require it to be the kind of movie I I prefer. And so with every new thing that you say, it's like, okay, so they're paring it down to the essence of an action movie. Essence of an action movie is not <laughs> The Fugitive. Yeah. It's this thing. But and I'll, so I'll try to keep that in mind. I'll predict, though, that you will like the main bad guy because of – like the boss guy. Yeah. Um, not because of what's on the page or in the dialogue, but because of the guy's performance. He's great. Okay. It's, He's it's really the good. best performance in the movie. He's really oh, boy. Good. To the point where I – Almost wish that if this movie, this movie were a bigger hit, and he could be like a Christoph Waltz kind of oh, like crossover. If he could start, play, I don't know if he speaks English, but if that guy could start playing bad guys in American action movies, American action movies would be better for it. Yeah, no, he's, he's he's fantastic. Very subtle performance and very sinister, and, and, and but yeah, charming. Yeah, like, oh, very charismatic. Very charming. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you think this is the kind of uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about action movies as far as uh, genre, but. Um, do you think this is the kind of movie? Because every I'm going to say every seven to ten years, <laughs> there is a new action movie that sets the bar sure. for action, um, and then so, and then, but that also that's often married to special effects as well. And so maybe not even seven to ten. I'm going to say four to five because you get like Die Hard, then you get T2, yeah. and then you get Independence Day, then you get The Matrix, and then you get. I, even the next year, Crouching Tiger, which kicked off something. But, like, do you think this is going to be one of those that people see just the sheer balls out action of it? Or because it is, you know, uh, not an American film and, it, like, it's it was not. Crouching Tiger. But, that's, that's true. But no, I, I, I think as much as we, people who like the movies and like this movie and like action movies, want it to set the bar, I don't. I think the, um, the fact that it's all in, you know, Indonesian. And the fact that it is as violent as it is, I, I think will keep it's it very, very violent. I, I think it will keep it from. Is this like Paul Verhoeven violence, or it's not that over the top? But okay. it's well, at, at times maybe. It's, yeah, yeah. I, without I, spoiling it, I mean, uh, one thing I wanted to speak to that I actually have to applaud the movie on. Um, there's a ton of digital gore in the movie, which okay. is, and, and I've done digital gore for for films, and it's tough to get it to look this good as as it does in the movie. There's <laughs> a few moments where a trained eye will absolutely be like, "Yeah, it's fake," but. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of throat slicing, and, and it's it helps too the way that they shot the film. It's mostly handheld during the uh, fights, so you do lose um, some of some of those clear giveaways that something's fake. But I was very impressed it, with the digital. It, it's handheld, but I don't want to give the give people the impression that it's like a, a born movie because you actually no, can no. tell what's going on at all times. Yeah, yeah, this is not a green grass, you know, the raid. But um, yeah. I, I guess Tyler, to answer your question, I I think I'm gonna have to side with David. I don't think it's going to be heralded as that now. Okay. I think in five years or so, people are gonna absolutely remember the raid and okay. i think if anything it's kind of come out as a challenge to other action directors especially american ones like beat this and i, think, I don't know yeah, if they're gonna be able to I, I wonder if it'll be like a thing that 
we we also but it never quite crosses over but then in like 10 15 years there are action action directors who are all citing it as an influence kind of like I hope so. like the band big black like <laughs> yeah they were never never popular but every 90s band that got popular cites big black as an influence True. and you know it's interesting uh, david and i have talked about this on the show so we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it but it sounds like this is a the last couple years have just been a really good time for like action movies to almost reboot a little bit because mm-hmm. yes you get i mean comic book movies are essentially action movies but they are specifically comic book yeah. movies first but then you get movies like this and then movies like haywire mm-hmm. which i think is is also what we're talking about like the paring down of things totally um but that's that's more deconstructionist okay if this is going to be a little bit of a stretch, but if if the raid is Anchorman, Haywire is almost more like Tim and Eric, where it's <laughs> it's like it has it is deconstructing all the elements of action of an action movie and an action scene, but it never is quite. I, 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 this is going to sound like an insult, but I love Haywire, but it's never like it's not like a pulse pounding movie. No, it's not. Right. It's it's a it's like. Well, cold. It's it's looking at action from a bit of a distance. In the same way that Tim and Eric doesn't make me laugh, but makes me want to kill myself <laughs> because I, I'm I like, so deeply depressed by humanity. Yeah, I, I like Tim. And I Eric. I kind of love Tim and Eric. Uh, I, not so much recently. They've, I they've agree, gone off the deep end. I didn't I see the respect for them <laughs> because, in the same way that I respect, you know, John Waters or uh, Suicide Bombers. Sure. Like, sure. You know, they've <laughs> got. Uh, Wait, do you not like got, the films of John Waters? No, I I do, but it's just. Well, oh, hang on. No, I don't. <laughs> um, oh. Except, I, I mean, I like them from time to time. I enjoyed uh, Cecil B. Demented and that kind of thing. I mean, like, the early, like, just absolute crazy where he's well, just like willing. Pink flamingos or yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 Like, his willingness, his willingness to do that, it's like, good for you. Yeah, the absurd. I have that, no, yeah, no, no. I am not obliged to like this. Well, I think the, I, the movie that is sort of the bridge between, like, older John Waters and more, uh, more like, accessible John Waters is Polyester. And I think people... Which I never saw. You should check it out. I okay, think people. I, I think anyone would like polyester because I, I do like Serial that, Mom and I like Pecker. And, yeah, yeah, and I think it's proof that he is more than just pointing the camera at shocking things. I think he has a very uh, a very strong filmmaking. Uh, yeah, it's one of those ones where confidence. you realize. And I'm trying to think. Another person who I, I have to defend a lot is, is David Lynch in that same regard. People are like, mm-hmm. he just wants to disturb you, and I'm like, eh. like I think Mulholland Drive is is brilliant, and a lot of people disagree with that heavily. They think it's just inane, you know, disturbing uh, I stuff. Love I love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's one of those things too. Where you're like, well, watch this one specific. Like I always tell people, watch like the Straight Story, you know, which I think mm-hmm. is not a David Lynch movie, but it's uh, one of his best. And yeah. and. That's where you can be like, he knows what he's doing. He's a great filmmaker. Just because you don't necessarily agree and like all of these other movies, you can't discredit. I, I always have to argue with my dad. He used to be he was um, when he was in film school. He like went and saw like Eraserhead like the day it came out, and he like loved it. And then a couple years later, he like realized like this like disturbs me to my soul, and, and he's never watched it again since. It's interesting that um, you're the you're the the son of a film student. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, my dad did. He's done uh, post production sound for like forty years. That's interesting. Total. I don't yeah. think I've ever. Like, my like my dad liked movies and pointed me in the direction of some movies that are some of my favorites to this day. But he was not a film guy. He worked in oil and energy and that kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, but I don't think I've I've known anybody ever whose you know whose parent is 
specifically trained in film. This yeah. is a. Uh... It's weird though. Cause, okay. And I'm going to stop you there. My dad does not like the films that I like. Okay. He likes movies. He doesn't like films. And okay. I found that so weird because he did a lot of post-production sound for a lot of TV shows. Like he worked on like Airwolf for a long time and Airwolf. stuff like that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He worked on the Munsters and he did a lot of TV stuff. And so hearing that you th- you'd think like oh he's yeah he likes david lynch he likes you know paul thomas anderson no no my dad likes disaster films he loves michael bay movies i and, and i was i was gonna say it earlier i i'm like a diehard armageddon fan and i'll forgive every fault that movie has ever had <laughs> and that's you just have to deal i know you just got to deal with that but that's a lot of forgiveness it is i know and i'm, I'm asking i'm pleading for it uh no but that, that's like one of my dad's like favorite films of all time and i think i, I think armageddon is my favorite Michael Bay film yeah, for what absolutely. that's worth. I, yeah, yeah, I still yeah. don't think it's that good. But. As as much as I'm against you, though, I'm totally with you because I hate the Transformers movies and I hate um. It was the other, uh, I don't like the island that much. I, I do like The Rock and Armageddon though. I think they're fun. If I had a favorite, like it would probably the, be The Rock. The Rock's a lot of fun. What about the Bad Boys movies? Do you like I those? do. I love Bad Boys too, unapologetically. Wow. Yeah. And that's the one that David is. I mean, it, neither of us like it, but you it's really morally repugnant that <laughs> it, movie. Oh, and I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> that's the that's part. I mean, anyway, how do you? How do you turn off the part of your brain when they're when they're crashing through the Cuban shanty town? That's when it starts really, really getting ridiculous. But at that point, I what I tell myself is, you've already watched what two hours of this movie. <laughs> yeah. You've only got thirty minutes left. No, but I'm um, going back to my dad real quick. But like at the same time, though, I will every so often show him a film that I think is brilliant, but it will also touch him. Like um, I just showed him Thirteen Assassins a week or two ago. Mm adored it he loved it he's trying to recommend it ever he loved scott pilgrim he loves hot fuzz like he likes a lot of the good movies and i always think it's very interesting i'm like well you're somebody who's been in this field and it's so weird and like i've only of course done it myself i've never I've, I, I took some courses in college for it and that's pretty much it and and yet we like completely different styles of movies like my dad for example what he won't watch any of those korean movies that don't have redemption like he hates like that not american and uh-huh. i i, I find Sounds that really like hilarious. he'll love the raid Probably, probably gonna love it because it's in the okay. title. Yeah, like he couldn't get he couldn't get past the ending of No Country for Old Men. He loved the rest of the movie except he's like, wait, what? Ha- huh? And, and then you, it just didn't sit right with him. So huh. it's very interesting though, because but it does make for great discussion though, which I, I've always you know admired. Is my dad and I could talk for hours about film and um, always disagree on a lot of stuff. So well, that's always. Fun. I want to say a couple more things about action because we're talking about recent genre movies yep. and it came up recently. Uh, this is a while ago when Ghost Protocol. Was coming out, which I I missed stupidly. Oh. It's at this uh, three dollar yeah, theater. I wanted to see an IMAX. I know um, too. You should. It's places. But I was thinking. I was just thinking about like, man, Mission Impossible three was awesome. That was two thousand six, and I was like, oh, Apocalypto was awesome, and that was two thousand six. I was like, those are two of my favorite action movies that have come out in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, what are my favorite action movies since then? So I did this little Twitter list that I think got a little bit of. You know, a lot of people tweeted me about it, about my five favorite action movies of the past five years. Mm. And it was, if I can remember, it was uh, Shooter, um, the Antoine Fuqua film with yeah, Mark yeah. Wahlberg. Mark and Mark, yeah. Um, what else? Um, Scott Pilgrim, The Dark Knight, The Bourne Ultimatum, and 13 Assassins. Those are my five. Those are oh, very solid choices. Man, did you, I, did you I, like Shooter? It's been a long time since I've seen it. Because I feel like I have to defend it a lot, but uh, I really like it. I, I don't think I had major issue with it when I saw it. I, 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 actually, I, I wasn't like blown away with, by it or anything. I was just like, yeah, it was fun. It, I didn't feel like I wasted my time, which is unfortunately you know how you feel about a lot of action movies. Like I don't know if you guys saw – well, what was the new Mark Wahlberg one? Uh, Contraband. Contraband. Yeah, I didn't like that. Horrible. Wretched. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed – I didn't see Contraband. You guys did, so you can speak to this. It's one of those movies that even – even the the advertising, everyone. It seems like everyone behind it, and then everyone in response to it is just like, "Yeah, all right." 
Yeah, <laughs> just that that general attitude of like it exists because movies have to exist. Uh, and uh, you we know who wasn't got, like that? Who was in the movie? Is Diego Luna? Who yeah. like now he didn't make the movie good, but he made the movie a lot crazier than it was before, and That's I appreciated fair. that. I was like, I still don't think this movie is good, but I'm kind of having a good time watching how insane this movie has just gotten. That's with him in it. that's how I felt about uh, the movie hostage which is just a forgettable film except for I, ben foster turns in a right. surprisingly crazy performance I think that's a better movie it's a it's than, a fine movie yeah then and yeah. uh like 16 blocks not that great I of a movie like but i actually you like appreci- i appreciated mos duff's decisions yes <laughs> decisions <laughs> um okay so i think i'm done with Action movies. Yeah. Tyler, did you see Thirteen Assassins? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's, you, on, uh, yeah. it's on. It's on. It's on my list of like. Once I get past, oh, these sixteen movies yeah, I need to watch. Uh, I'll get to that. Yeah, I, I I have a list like that, and I keep finding myself like, next time I'll watch one of those movies that I skip it, and yeah, it's done nothing for me. So don't do that. It's, it's not a good move. I'll say this: it's actually somewhat likely I will get to that one because it's not one that I have to save to watch with Jen. That one I can oh, right. watch on my oh, that's own what I was at like 3 a.m. or something. Are you going to see The Raid alone? No, I'm, I'm uh, going with a friend of the, uh, friend of the show and blogger uh, Kyle Anderson. Okay. Okay. I went uh, – I saw it with my girlfriend and um, I, this is me being I guess maybe a little condescending because I was sitting there thinking like this is awesome. I, she can't be enjoying this. Like this is not her type of movie It's not for all. ladies. That's what I was thinking, and then we're walking out of the screening room, and I was like, "What'd you think?" And she was like, uh, "It was awesome." <laughs> yeah, my my fiance adored it, and she was very vocally uh, reacting to everything on screen. <laughs> oh, what? oh god! And, like you know, freaking out, and then she like at one point was like punching the air, and I was like, "She is loving this." Yeah, I gotta keep her. She's and Jen great. is not. She's not against action, but I think she's she's a bit more like uh, conventional as I am. Uh, movies like The Fugitive, like we can watch over and over again because it's awesome movie because there's like some solid action and suspense but she cares very much about the people involved whereas this probably not like she wasn't actually a big fan of Scott Pilgrim which I think there's wonderful action in that but she couldn't she felt like she couldn't really relate to the people involved and so she just uh, she couldn't relate to the hipsters on screen right she, <laughs> right, she has total contempt for them here <laughs> so why would she pay money to go see them um, fair enough okay so uh, we should probably start wrapping up soon but I've, we've talked about action almost exclusively and mm-hmm. i want to ask you about about horror because yeah. i think we i think there were some good horror movies last year um and there's some really good ones still to come this year in the next okay. couple months yeah. well i want to ask you did you see a movie called entrance uh that we have talked about here uh um, no i i am aware of it though wait refresh my memory though what? um well the filmmakers are, are going to be on the show but it was on on tyler's actual actually top 10 of of the year and we were lucky to see it because they're the filmmakers actually are listeners um, of the podcast, and it was playing at um, LA Film Fest. Yeah, and uh, so they offered to get us in to see nice. it. And we were like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." So and we- I, I actually got to see it twice by some weird uh, turn of events because the filmmakers, through a mutual friend, uh, Josh Fadum, uh, invited me to come to this thing and uh, a screening even before the film fest. And so I went to that, and then I went to the film fest, and it's just a film that I love, and the kind and. It is getting a release through uh, IFC, and it'll be on demand and right. on demand. Yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, um, what what is the IFC horror label? IFC like midnight, midnight. midnight. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it's getting released in May, I think. Oh, so the in the story, it just thought of it talking about hipsters in, in Scott Pilgrim. It's essentially Silver Lake hipsters. Nice. Um, <laughs> but it's like a. Um, uh, have you ever seen any of the Dardan Brothers mm-hmm. films? Yeah. It's it's like those where it's all handheld and 
the main character is literally in every single frame of the film. Nice. It mm-hmm. always follows cool. her. So it's essentially imagine if the Dardan brothers made a slasher film. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. It, it's really cool, but it's also like says so much about the. Um, and it's not a, it's not broaching a new topic, but the uh, but it does in a way you haven't seen before the idea of how lonely you can be even living in mm-hmm. one of the biggest cities in the world. There's there's a, there's a specific type of urban loneliness, yeah. Uh, and, and I think it comments on that on that very well. Plus the idea of moving to a big city from another place and the, how that contributes to and uh, and I think that will be universal to a lot of. Um, or, or, or it'll be relatable at least to people who have moved to big cities. But there's also something very Los Angeles about it. I think it's a very good Los Angeles movie, and which I, is not something that I say lightly. And I do want to uh, – because in my in my review, I think I actually said that it was uh, Polanski-esque as far as, uh, as far as this depiction of paranoia and, and that sort of thing. But I do want to – I don't – I like to say that as a point of reference, but I also want to say – this isn't a, this movie isn't good merely because it is evocative of other filmmakers. Like it is it very much its own thing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it it exists on its own. It's not like, oh wow, this is a really good homage to these other filmmakers that I already like. Yeah. It's its own thing and I think it declares That's the awesome. filmmakers as It as, also it sets itself apart from Polanski by being um being feminine, a feminist film in a lot of yeah. ways, right? Whereas Polanski made movies about women that weren't feminist at all, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and I think this this one is. And also, his films didn't often did not really. I think he was much more interested in getting us into the uh, into the mind of of his characters or into the mindset of his characters. So often, like the paranoia, like everything and their whole world was heightened to the point where it's like, well, this does not really evoke the reality. Whereas this. Uh, entrance is is more objective one could say uh, objectifying uh-huh. um, and by st- keeping a distance and I won't go further down that road because I don't want to give anything away mm-hmm. but it's it's such a it's such a wonderful film and I was pleasant here's the thing it, it pleasant- does have the thing of uh, like poor like not rich kids who work at coffee shops having way too nice an apartment, <laughs> but that's my only problem. There, with it. there is that, yes. <laughs> but, um, but it's, uh, it's just I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like when you, I'm sorry, it's like when you have a friend who's in a band or a friend who wrote a screenplay, <laughs> and you say, and they're like, "Can you? Would you like to read my script?" It's like I wouldn't like to, but I guess I have to, <laughs> you right? Have to, right? Yeah. Or want to come see my band? It's like, yeah, all right, and then you go. And you're just like, oh, hey, this is great. <laughs> Very refreshing. And yeah. so, um, and these were these were you know uh, friends of a friend. And so it's just like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll give it a shot. And uh, not only pleasantly surprised, but like eagerly awaiting the next thing they do. Very excited. So yeah, and that that, that will be on demand in May, and we will we will actually have them on sometime in May. Yeah, um, awesome. To to, to coincide that. and to, to yeah. Uh, speaking of friends of the show, though, I feel like I'm. <laughs> pimping all our friends work but did you see the innkeepers yes and that's actually one i wanted to talk about um because you okay tyler didn't um uh, co-star pat healy is a is a friend of the show and i would say i would go far enough to say a friend of ours i don't know he's uh, he and he's i are on, he and guy. i are on the outs okay he's a friend of mine um <laughs> not now, on speaking terms but I, I, I know um i know this is a divisive film i loved it i know certain people other uh 
other big I'm not a really uh, horror guy I know what I like uh, but I know James from Criterion Cast um, James uh, McCormick mm-hmm. from Criterion mm-hmm. Cast yep. is a huge horror fan and, and uh, really didn't like the Incubus. yeah I actually talked to James about it yeah so I want to know uh, as a horror fan what did you think of it um, I've seen it three times already, oh, all right. and uh, I saw it at Fantastic Fest and then I watched it twice on demand uh, a couple months back when it was out I think it was January um, and you hate it that much yeah, that's really something exactly no, the, uh, the first time it was the closing night film of Fantastic Fest and I'm a huge Ty West fan i love house of the devil and i really like the roost which is his first movie that a lot of people like don't really you know they haven't watched um you can get it on netflix on disc though you can watch instant but uh i think he's a super interesting filmmaker and he's an awesome guy too if you ever get a chance to talk to him do it because he's a really cool guy but um basically innkeepers ends up coming up very divisive because you have some people that can't buy into the the strange mix of comedy and horror that it has Mm -hmm. um and i know that put a lot of people off is like how much they enjoyed the film before it got scary Uh because it does it gets very scary like later on in the movie and you have these two very very likable characters it's still funny once it gets yeah and And, and that's the weird they're going down to the basement and and uh uh pat i can't remember his character's name is drunk Uh, yeah oh yes and he and he he walks into the light switch (laughs) and she goes watch a light switch and he, he just goes uh, spider web yep, yep. <laughs> there are there are so many quotable lines in the film and um i showed it to my oh we watched it on new year's eve i showed it to my siblings and my fiance and they all just loved it and they were all super tired because we watched it after midnight and they were like we gotta go to bed soon and i was like well i have the innkeepers on demand what do you think and and we put it and they all stayed wide awake because they found so much enjoyment of it but um sarah paxton and uh pat healy both do just a fantastic job because they're the two primary like main characters of the film um and the the back and forth between the two of them and uh-huh. the situational comedy they're put in is brilliant and then the film does get very scary and, and as you mentioned still maintains kind of a lightheartedness. uh and i just found that super refreshing and i know a lot of people didn't like that mix and a lot of people that I talked to were just like, it, it was too funny or it was uh, the scariness like came only at the end. But if people remember House of the Devil, that movie is virtually, I mean, and I use this term, it's so boring up until the last act of the film, like the tail end of the last act. And then, you know, it, it, it hits the fan and it's just insanity. Right. It's not literally boring, but it's not. No, it's it's very slow, though. And, and it does take, you have to really buy into the whole slow burn concept. And um, I love that. I've se- I own that film and I've seen it, you know, countless times. But that one... Uh, made me really excited to see the innkeepers and you know i can i can happily say i, I loved it it was it was my number 10 of last year actually yeah, it made my top 10 you yeah. know it's interesting the uh the idea of of because i i specifically having not seen it i've tried to steer clear of opinions mm-hmm. on it um except for you know a friend of mine you know, like like David or a friend of the show, Jason or whatever, they'll say like, oh, I saw it and, and I liked this, but they don't go into a great deal of detail. So as far as I knew, people only liked it. I had no idea it was as divisive as all that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think the comedy thing, but uh, yeah, and also the quote-unquote boring thing. Is, yeah. It turns people off because yep. it, it is a slow build. He's, Ty West is a huge fan of that kind of 80s style of horror movies, which you know, for the most part are slasher films and they take a very long time to get going. So I guess if you don't buy into that or you don't have any frame of reference as like, oh, this is what he's paying homage to, then you really aren't going to get it and you're not going to like it. Um, like my, my dad, for example, I showed them House of the Devil and he like walked out. He was like, eh, like he didn't care. <laughs> my mom loved it. But uh, the rest of them, like they all found it enjoyable. But you have to buy into Ty West style at the beginning. Otherwise, it's going to do nothing for you. And it's going to be, yeah. you know, consequentially not as good as you probably like. But I, I don't know that you have to be entirely – uh, a fan or entirely knowledgeable no, about no, 80s you don't. No, movies, you don't. Not at like all. it's not. Yeah. it's not esoteric. It, it's referential, but yeah. not in a way that Absolutely. I think it takes away from. It. And also, it's to me, and and this might just be me as a as a film fan. But I mean, you mentioned Alien. Mm-hmm. 
Alien, I think, works precisely because, quote-unquote, nothing happens yep. for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Psycho, I think, works because the – Ty- the, the, it doesn't reveal itself as the type of genre it is <laughs> until 40 minutes in. Oh, yeah. It takes a long time. And then, like – and to me, that's just like we're getting to know not merely the people involved, but we're getting to know the world. And even if it's a world similar to our own, we still need to know the circumstances and the type of life that these people are living, which makes – which ups the stakes. But I, I, I wonder if, like, just horror movies that – you know, maybe parrot down. I, I don't think they're getting. I don't think they're uh, deconstructionist. I think they are impatient <laughs> and just jump right into yeah. it. I think they might have uh, kind of ruined ruined things for people sure. a little bit. And that's like the difference between like the the seventy four and the two thousand three Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand three takes a little while, and like in the original, and then yeah. the, the new one just gets right into it. It's funny you mentioned deconstruction though, because another film I want, or two films I wanted to mention real quick about um, that people will will be seeing this year that I got to see early. Um, one of them is uh, called You're Next. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Hmm. Uh, it's by Adam Wingard and screenwriter uh, Simon Barrett, two guys that, in my opinion, are deconstructing horror. Um, sort of uh landmarks and or types of horror genre subgenres if you will and and rebuilding them and and trying to do them in new creative ways they made a movie uh last year or two years ago um called a horrible way to die and it's a serial killer movie but it's told almost in like a mumblecore fashion and it's Uh really interesting that one also is very divisive but if you can buy into their style you then are shown like these two filmmakers understand the horror tropes that we've seen and they're not okay with continually doing it that way Mm -hmm. and they're going to redo it your next is basically a home invasion film uh, with one of the most fun spins on it I've ever seen. And I, I have two – and the raid was very close, but I have not had that much fun watching a horror movie uh, or any film in that matter than I did seeing your next. And that was back in September, and I can still vividly remember why I loved it so much. That one's not coming out until October though, unfortunately. It was bought by Lionsgate, so people are going to get to see it. It's going to be wide release. Um, but that one – like I said, it's just a very clever spin on something that everyone if, – if you watch horror movies at all, if you've seen any of them, you're like, oh, people are invading the house. And it's like, well, that's that's very surface level of what's going on here. And it ends up being a lot of fun. You've got a lot of um, – A.J. Bowen who – he's worked with Ty West a lot. He was in House of the Devil and uh, he's kind of a genre kid. He, he's also in um, – He's in it. Well, he's in. He, he was the lead inside a horrible way to die. He's in it. Joe Swanberg's in it, who's also mm-hmm. an indie director and, and star. And uh, the two of them have just brilliant dialogue throughout the whole movie. And Ty West is actually in your next briefly. And like, there's it's just a really fun kind of ragtag group of filmmakers and actors that came together to make this awesome horror movie. That again, I'm, I'm pissed it's taken so long to get. It's almost a year from when I saw it that uh, we're going to get it again. But um, so people got to watch out for that one because that's a lot of fun. Um, the one I haven't seen yet, though, that I'm actually seeing next week is uh, Cabin in the Woods, which is uh, mm-hmm. Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon's horror film, which yeah. has been done for a long time. It's been done for about two years, I think. And then it was finally also bought by Lionsgate. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't seen it yet, but what I do know about it is uh, don't know anything before you go in. Like, that's yeah. what everyone says. Just that's stay clean. Exactly what <laughs> don't heard. watch trailers. And don't watch trailers, yeah. yeah. I, I caught I, a bit of one. and yeah, I I'd Same here. I turned it off. I was I, like, yeah, oh. and I was, but, I, but even the, like, like – 20, not even like the 10 seconds that I saw, I was like, oh, I wish I didn't see that. Yep. Yeah. And uh, my co-host, Jeremy, he saw it uh, a week or t- uh, No, he saw it at South by Southwest a couple weeks ago and absolutely fell in love with it. And his review, I would encourage people to check it out up on first showing. He basically couldn't talk about the movie in his, like he could have. Like there was a lot of people that were spoiling the crap out of it. And he was like, yeah. no, 
the film doesn't deserve that. And he instead spent his whole review talking about what horror movies mean to him as an individual and why this film perfectly caters to that. And I think it's one of his best reviews he's written. And he talked about the movie for maybe like four sentences. And I was like, oh, got to see Cabin in the Woods now. Yeah. I'm like that sort of you know thing only comes around every once in a while. And that's why I think this year is the kind of deconstruction and rebuilding of horror movies. And I love that. It's a, you know breathing fresh life into it. I, and I don't think there's any movie in 2012 that I'm looking forward to more than – Kevin in the Woods. It's going to be really awesome. And last year there was, I guess, a movie that that sort of deconstructs uh, horror movies, but it's not really. I mean, it's not really a horror movie, and that's Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I was going to talk about that one. Um, too. It is very gory, but and I guess at times there's some suspense to it, but it is primarily a comedy. It is. Um, and I really enjoyed the movie, and I thought it was wonderfully written. But part of me feels like I wonder. And maybe it's just something they never could have done. Like, I wonder if they could have had it be this funny, but also be have it be genuinely scary. But I don't think they could have done it. I don't it. think I it would work. Yeah. I yeah. interviewed director um, Eli Craig, who made that uh, on, mm-hmm. on our show, and he was very blatant that he finds hillbilly horror movies absolutely hilarious. Like, he, does, he doesn't <laughs> care how scary they are. They are so funny to him because he is from a hillbilly town. I forgot, Tennessee or something like that. And he goes... There's no one like that. There's no one running around with a chainsaw. Everyone's the nicest people ever. And, and that's why in the film, Tucker and Dale, who are played brilliantly, you yeah. know, by Alan Tudyk and uh, Tyler Levine, and they're like the nicest, most you know, congenial guys ever. And uh-huh. that's why the movie is so funny. And he said, he's like, I want to do a double feature, Texas Chainsaw and Tucker and Dale. He's like, just to be like, this is what you think is happening. These are the real great Southern boys. <laughs> well, so good. We talk about, you talk about the thing with uh, interns about it not just being uh, referential or just being, um, you know, a reaction to other movies. Right. And I think Tucker and Dale, for as much as it is, uh, you know, tearing down the tropes of the genre, it really does have its own point of view that it's, totally. yeah. and it has things that it's saying about how we, um, like sort of, I, I identify with the group that we're a part of and make generalizations about other groups and not just in, in, in very specifically not in race ways in the movie, mm-hmm. more about cultural ways and regional mm-hmm. ways. You know, I, I think that's a, I think it gets that point across very well without ever losing its sense of fun. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the commentary is great, especially, you know, if you've seen your share of those hillbilly horror movies, it's really amazing to see those direct comparisons that they draw and how these characters are. Like, you know, you got the frat boy, like college dudes and stuff like that. that uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's I, I it personally struck a good chord with me because I was like, I love those types of movies. Like Texas Chainsaw is great. I love it. And to see it flipped on its head like this, it was so enjoyable. I mean, I, yeah, I've seen it like multiple times since it came out and I think it's great. Now I, I haven't seen, uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I have seen Texas Chainsaw and I, I love it. I think it's a, one of the best horror movies ever. In fact, it might be my favorite just as far it, as scariness. It has oh, okay. my favorite ending of pretty much any movie. Oh, it's ever. Great wonderful. Ending. Yeah. Great ending. yeah. But, um, but I and and because I think it's good and I genuinely like it, part of me is like, oh no, don't 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 have it be a double feature with a movie that's good. Put it with like wrong turn, <laughs> you know? Because like because as strange as it sounds, I never actually viewed the 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 leather faces um, as hillbillies. I mean, I guess technically they are, but like yeah. they they just seem like just a family that by virtue of who they are just had to live out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Whereas like wrong turn, it's very clearly a, and, and movies like deliverance, which technically isn't a horror movie, I guess, but it's horrific. Yeah. Um, it's and about it, mountain folk and that's just how they are. Yes. 
what what Jaws did for many people for the ocean, Deliverance did for me for places that aren't a city. <laughs> but hopefully, <laughs> but hopefully, movies like Entrance makes you realize, like, oh, everyone sucks. Uh, this, yeah, everyone well, I could be killed anywhere. Yeah, so I might as well get the power myself and kill myself. See, that's that's a common theme in what I'm talking about here. Um, all right, I want to. We really need to wrap up. I, okay. You ever write a review for? I don't know. Do you write reviews or just? I, do I don't currently. I have a lot. Or yeah, talk yeah. about. Uh, uh, there's a reason I like to get the review out uh, as soon as possible, and also like I keep my list of my favorites of the year, and I update it as I see the movies. I don't try to go back at the end of the year. It's tough, yeah. And the reason is because, you know, I think the way I generally feel within the first week or so is more, uh, more honest. Uh, I think I tend to either, as time goes on, remember the bad things about a movie or remember the good things. Mm-hmm. And so I saw. I guess the uh, a week before it came out, I saw uh, The Woman in Black, and I gave it a bad review, and I stick by it. But the further I get from it, the more I remember just the stuff I liked about it. Mm. How did you feel about The Woman in Black? I, I didn't see it. Oh. I, uh, I actually meant to see it about three days ago, and it fell through. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, uh, I guess, it, you know, it just has, it, it's a lot of the, like, you know, it's a lot of Daniel Radcliffe walking slowly down a hallway while holding a candle out in front of him. Mm-hmm. And that sounds... Like I'm making fun of it, but it is. There are some pretty tense things. That's what I've heard. I, it, also it's some a, pretty ridiculous thing. Yeah, it's 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 Hammer horror, which is you know mm-hmm. the kind of legendary for their almost. I, I don't want to say schlocky, but you know, I mean, like they're not so much like scary, but more like kind of classic. They do a lot of crazy, you know, uh, Frankenstein and Dracula mm-hmm. type yeah. of boss. And back in the day, so this is like um, and Let Me In actually is a Hammer horror film too, and they they bought the rights to that and oh, they released okay. that, which is uh, interesting. Everyone I know who has seen it, though, said when it works, it works pretty well. And then outside of that, though, it's just not – it's nothing too special, which I thought was kind of disappointing because yeah. I, I honestly am really excited to see what Daniel Radcliffe does now post-Harry Potter. I think he's yeah. I think he's a good actor and I, I'd like to see him in more stuff. Um, so I, I will see it and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what my thoughts are. All right. Um, let me ask you this because you, you – David, you mentioned something that got me, got me thinking. And I'm sorry. I guess I'm just very uh, – I'm intrigued by the essence of film going uh, and talking about things as basic but imperative as like movie titles. But like you mentioned your reaction upon first seeing a movie. Well, within the first week. Within the first week. Yeah. And I, then I need a few days to, for my thoughts to settle yeah. sometimes. But then as time goes on, you either you forget something or you 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 don't consciously but just some things emerge and some things fade away. Um, which one do you think is more valid? It's hmm, a good question. Uh, I think. Uh, well, I think you, that's why I say about a week. I have to find that middle ground because I think um, if I were to rush home right after seeing a movie and write the review, I would probably miss things I hadn't hadn't mm-hmm. thought about. You know, um, uh, I need a few days for it to settle, but I still need to be close enough to it. That my memory of it is that I'm remember that I'm remembering as much of it as possible, and not just the stuff I choose to remember. Because even I mean, Woman in Black was a few a couple months ago now, but even uh, only a few weeks ago, Twenty One Jump Street, I also gave that, uh, or I didn't review that, but I also d- didn't like that when I when I saw it. And with you know only a few weeks, I'm already just thinking about the stuff that I liked, and I'm having positive memories. But I mean. And and therein lay the the thing that fascinates me, and I haven't really thought about it until just now. So this is not going to be a fully formed thought, <laughs> but um, you know, it's there's a, there's a line in Futurama that I absolutely love, said by a friend of the show, Maurice Lamarche. You watched it, you can't unwatch it, <laughs> and that's and movie makers they know that they know that when you see their film, you always have it with you, 
And of course, some things are going to fade, but the things that stay with you are probably the things that they specifically wanted to stay with you. And so if you, if in the first week you're like, you have a very clear memory of it and you remember things you liked and things you didn't like, but then a month from now you remember only the things you like, one could say that the film is more of a success than you originally think. And that goes for that goes for you, me, who you know, whomever, because yeah, there there and, are certainly have been movies that I, I didn't like, and then I do yeah, later way. on. Um, and I'm trying to think of the opposite movies I liked. It seems like I I tend to stay liking movies. Yeah, but sometimes I like them less. Like I'm uh, I I don't know how often you listen to the show. If you know that I am not a fan of Inception, I know a lot of people mm. are. I don't like it. Um, and. Now my feelings toward toward it now are just like almost wholly dismissive and hateful. But like there are things I liked, in like the movie. My, like mine with Avatar. Yeah, right. it's <laughs> like there, yeah there are things I I, I enjoyed. It, you know I didn't despise it from beginning to end. But yeah. uh, as I've gotten further away, I only remember how it's just uh, laughably expositional it is, and how slow. And that uh, the thing I, I the van falls off the bridge for a fucking hour. Well, and also it goes. <laughs> it also uh, when you guys were talking about the raid and you and, and you talked about like the rules, needing to establish the rules and then sticking to those rules. The first thing that popped up was Inception because that's a movie that I kind of liked. And then after talking to you, or even when I wasn't talking to you and you were just talking uh, <laughs> about it, uh, I found myself uh, thinking more and more about the things I didn't uh, like about it. And one of the things that that bothered me that even uh, my wife, who still mostly likes it, that she said is just like, man, they're always adding. They're all yeah. they, like with with like every fifteen minutes, like here's a rule tool, uh, a rule too that uh, allows us to do the things we need to do. <laughs> but if you remember the Matrix, which that film is often compared to, did the same thing. There are multiple moments throughout that screenplay where additional rules and especially throughout the whole trilogy <laughs> additional rules yeah. are added and you're kind of you, i mean and i don't want to debate inception i love inception and i've i've consistently doubted my thoughts about it and had to go back and reassess the movie but i totally get what people don't like totally get why you don't like it and, and i think that's why it makes such an interesting point of discussion we're actually we started doing this uh series called uh breakdown on our show where we talk about one movie like that where we need to tear it apart and talk more and we're going to do inception in a couple months but uh Little, little teaser there for people, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one that I love debating, and I think you you raise an interesting point about how your thoughts form out, you know, depending on the amount of time. I think I'm sort of like you in the sense that when I hated a movie, I hated it, and it's not uh-huh. going to come back to me. Right? It's the ones that I'm not sure about that really do stick with me. For example, um, Bellflower. I don't know if you guys saw that. I, I missed. Yeah. Okay going to be a weird movie. I'll just tell you that. Uh-huh. Just know up front. I saw it at a screening, and I was pretty sure I hated it. I love that movie now, and it took almost a month for me to fully appreciate it. And, and I, the more and more I thought about it, I was like, okay, I really did like this movie. And I saw it again with that new kind of frame of reference and it made it an infinitely better experience. I too am very intrigued by why that happens. Cause you're always like smart filmmaker. He's making me think <laughs> about it. Yeah. yeah. Like it, do they, do they incept it into your brain? Exactly, it's just right? like, you may yeah. not like it now. Give him a, let him grow as a person. <laughs> and a month from now, he can't think. He won't be able to think about anything else, yes. and then he will have to kill himself. But um, <laughs> it's uh, and he, here's what I'll say. Actually, mentioning uh, to contrast uh, the Matrix with uh, Inception, mm. they both do have like that exposition thing where where new rules are revealed. But I think here's why it works in the Matrix. And by the way, I don't necessarily stand by that Matrix screenplay. But sure. <laughs> um, but that's one where my problems with the screenplay have gone away for mm. the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Neo is the new one. Yeah. And so he is very much us. And so uh, w- so point. when people stuff when people explain stuff to him and us, it, it makes better, sense. Yeah. Ellen Page is the new one and she's a supporting character. Yeah. So when our main character spends all of his time explaining to the supporting character right. that we don't really know no, nor care about, I think it it seems clunkier. I feel like if the if sure. If it had been told completely from her point of view, not that I would have enjoyed that either, yeah, no, no, but if they had done that, I think the exposition would have made more sense. See, for me, the reason why and, – and I acknowledge that. I totally agree that that's, that does kind of make it look a little weird. The reason why I think I'm more intrigued by that is because Leo DiCaprio's character is the unreliable uh, narrator. He's the un- there, unreliable there's that, lead. yeah. And so part of me has to doubt everything that he says. But then you get Joseph Gordon-Levitt and a couple of the other characters often offering these rules or whatever. Yeah. And that's when you're kind of – and to me, that's that's why I like the movie so much is I still don't know where I stand on how the film ends. And I mean we won't talk spoilers or anything like that. But there, I think there's so many different things that have come into play. And it's been out for like well over a year now where I, I'm still thinking about it. And every time I watch it, I pick up new things. And – who knows? At the end of the day, I may decide I hated subject and I'm never going to think about it again. But I don't know. I'd like to keep thinking about it. But uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that more on our show. Um, one last thing. I'm sorry then, to have gotten us into Inception. No, and then we're gonna then we're gonna sign off because we really got to wrap up. But sure. um, do you think at this point enough people have seen Inception that we can just talk about the ending without like saying spoilers, or do we still have to like? Because I was uh, like, is that I, a spoilery question? Like, where do we lie on spoilers? I don't know. Because, but I, yeah, the movie's two years old now, right? It is. It yeah, is two years is old. It, yeah. But, but and also a lot of people saw it, right? Whereas in two years, will it still be? Will it be okay to talk openly about the ending of Take Shelter? I don't know when that'll be okay to talk about. Well, Did take, you see Take Shelter. Oh, yeah, I love Take Shelter. Yeah. It's my favorite movie last yeah. year. I think. I think just it's a function of time and just. It has to do with the company Everyone, that you're in too. Like, because yeah, yeah. there's been some people I know that are like, like for me, unless it's a film I'm really dying to see, I don't necessarily care about spoilers. Right. It's like when you guys were talking about Hunger Games a little bit ago. I was like, nah, whatever, I don't care. It's you know, if somebody was like, hey, did you see Take Shelter? You want to hear the ending? I go, no, 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 like stop. And and right. I don't care if that was five years ago. I'll, I'll still have that same visceral reaction. I'll be like, you know, hitting them. Inception though, I think was widely seen by everyone <laughs> everywhere yeah, yeah. that one might be okay and usually you can kind of just be like hey just so you know we're gonna talk about the ending and then you can hop into it and those you know probably one or two people are, are gonna bone out at that point but yeah i don't know it's it's an interesting question like yeah when's the safe time there was actually a really funny video that came out this week i don't know if you guys saw it i think it was on um funny or die or something like that and it was tv stars talking about spoiler rules for tv shows uh-huh. really clever and it was them talking about like once 24 hours has passed since its air date, you may you have to cautiously approach your colleagues at work. It's a really brilliant. You should check it out. My, my rule, my internet rules for like writing or tweeting or something about uh, um, a spoiler uh, with TV specifically is that say it's about last week's Mad Men, mm-hmm. once the, which is the first episode of season five. Once the second episode of season five has begun airing on the West Coast. I will feel free to talk about um, anything and everything in the first episode in a forum where people can reasonably expect to be spoiled. I I won't just tweet about anything, even like... There, I mean, there. I mean, Game of Thrones season two is about to start. There mm-hmm. are things about Game of Thrones season one that I won't tweet. Yep. But I would say on like, you know, if I'm writing about Game of Thrones or doing my my other TV podcast and talking about Game of Thrones, I'll talk openly uh, about it. So that's those are my TV spoiler rules. And I think it's the, like uh, we brought up uh, Inception and Take Shelter. I think there's a lot of a lot of things that you can you can take into account. One is that, like for example, discussing it on this show. 
Inception, I would venture to say every single person hearing me right now has seen Inception. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I think that is a good, good bet because not only was it a Christopher Nolan film, and if you're listening to this, you, you're either a fan or someone who feels they need to see his films. Mm-hmm. So Christopher Nolan film, widely distributed and many, many opportunities to see it. Oh, yeah. Whereas, I just got back from, as of the recording, I got back from New Zealand a week ago and... Take Shelter was not released in theaters there. It had just been released on DVD mm. when I when I got there. And so um, so that one, not many people saw it. Not many people even really knew about it. And admittedly, people listening to this probably know about it. But there are people listening in the Midwest who didn't get any opportunity to see it in the yeah, theater. And it hasn't been out on DVD that long. A mo- so like a movie like Inception, I would give it a year and a half. And that's a pretty com- that's a pretty good cushion. Yeah. Whereas take shelter, I give it five years. Hmm. I well, I would like to do maybe three. And this is what I like about the structure of the slash film cast is they do the spoiler section at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I wish would, we were more like them. But I think maybe with take shelter at this point, it's out on DVD and Blu-ray here in the in the states and apparently in New Zealand and mm-hmm. just those two places. No one else. Yeah. yeah just those. Um, no one else is interested. Yeah. We should have a couple of the writers from the website on and do a bonus episode about the ending of take shelter yeah you should because i don't know enough people who have seen it and i just it's been it's been like six months since i've seen it now yeah and i just really still want to talk about that ending that's not bad we haven't done a bp supplement in a while let's do that let's do it right now tim you're in (laughs) let's do it (laughs) no i want to get i want to get scott here because i know he and i disagree on the ending right he hates the ending (laughs) and you hate scott (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, so we, the the guys from uh, slash film greatly disagreed on the ending with each other, and it, they actually did the kind of a, a, a sub episode too, where they like went, they dug it into it, and I, it made me challenge my viewpoints on it. And yeah, I'd recommend. Yeah, but I'd, I'd be very interested to hear your guys' thoughts too. I did not. Uh, I knew that they did that, but I, I did not listen to it because I, part of me is like, I, I could see myself because I had heard people say like, oh wow, they get really passionate in this episode. Part of me is like. Yeah. I already have enough anger in my life. <laughs> I don't. I really don't need to get angry at the I, podcast. I, I, I did again. start getting angry. I, I have it on show, my yeah. iPod, and I will listen to it. But I do need to be in a place yeah. where I can. Yeah, you can't listen secure, to that on the train, yeah. man. Because then whoever's <laughs> talking on the phone, you're going to be like, "You son of a yeah, bitch!" You're flip out on them. <laughs> well, they don't talk on the phone on the train because we're underground. That's what I like. Oh, right, the, right. That's what I like about the train. That's, and also, before we wrap up, I know I, I've said it like five times. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up. The bus is here. Do you take the bus no, here? No, no, I don't. Have you taken the bus uh, Once here? or twice, yes. Some of them, especially the, the rapid, the express buses, the bigger ones, have like TVs where they show ads and, and some short films and music videos and stuff, and that's great. But it's like, I, I'm just trying to get to where I'm going. I didn't ask to be entertained here. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. To take, like the plane thing and be like, well, quick, you're only on for 20 minutes, but here, watch this. And you're it, like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's annoying. It seems like an intrusive. There it, was... You know, uh, when I took my, the bus, my tax dollars are paying for this bus. When I took the bus, the train doesn't have those. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> when I took the bus, they had a uh, you know all this stuff, but then they also had like a, a little video that pop up of the the route and oh, where yeah, yeah. and where we currently were. I'm like, oh, just leave that up. That's because yeah. I don't know the bus system that well. I'd like to know where we are. Yeah. So well, I don't. Uh, 
not knowing the bus system well in Los Angeles is not your fault. It's uh, <laughs> it's the transit authority or it's the met- metro's yeah. uh, fault because yeah, they, this wasn't a problem in Chicago. They don't want you to know the bus <laughs> routes. I don't know why it's such a fucking secret. Yeah, for such but, a for such a place that champions green and uh, carpooling and public transit, like they're not making it the, easy I mean, for that it. That is a fairly recent thing that Mayor Villaraigosa has gotten into, like exp- mm-hmm. expanding the. The tram, I mean, the Purple Line expansion um, is supposed to happen sometime in the next fifteen years. Um, but like the uh, bike lanes and stuff like that, so maybe no. we will see more transparency in the damn bus routes. <laughs> I'm excited that uh, for listeners that we that didn't like jump ship the moment we started talking about Simi Valley, um, <laughs> we we decided it's like all right. So we're talking about a place that even I, Tyler Smith, don't really know about. Um, and now let's finish up with an in-depth discussion of the line colors in the uh, in the Los Angeles public transit system. It's not about the colors. It's about – okay. I know, but you, were, but you happened to bring up like the specific colors. The, and- the signs for bus stops in Chicago where yeah. you and I both lived. Yeah. They show where it's going to go. Every – yes. They show the, the list of stops in order. Yeah. It, it, not only does it – do the Los Angeles buses not have that? But a lot of the buses don't just – it's not like – okay, like the 20 is the Wilshire bus. It goes on Wilshire. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. But then you get things like the 180 that goes from Hollywood all the way to Pasadena. Like it takes – it turns up Vermont. It goes down. Like you know, how, how are you supposed to just know that? It's a very strange thing because it is just like do you want to be – do you want to start in one – part of the of the city and end in a place you'd never be interested in going it's like you better you don't want to do that you better pay close attention because <laughs> yeah, we're not going to help you out yeah yeah but here's some here's some commercials for products you'll never buy because we've got to make our money back somehow <laughs> <laughs> all right uh on on that note um this has been battleship pretension which you can find at battleship pretension.com where you can also find um reviews of uh new release theatrical movies and Lots and lots these days, home video stuff. It's mm-hmm. it kind of becoming a, a thing with us. And I'm glad we branded it early on with yeah. the uh, putting all the home video things under the, what I still think is a very clever name, the home video hovel. Um, and, I, and I remember my thought process, by the way, when you're like, hey, let's call it home video hovel. I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. It just, I, I literally was like, well, the, I don't really know what that is, but he seems very pleased with himself. So I'm just going to go along with it and I don't care. No, here's what I emailed you and I was like, I was thinking we should have a name for the home video section. I was thinking something like home video hovel. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the website the next day and you put home video hovel. And yeah. I was like, oh, I guess he, uh, I guess yeah. he's okay with it. Can't you just imagine me shrugging and, and posting <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, but I wasn't insisting on it. <laughs> no, I know, but it was just like, yeah, just, I don't have the energy to fight you, David. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, so, uh, what I was saying is you can go to the website to see all kinds of, you know, the, before you make your purchasing decisions, be, be going to the theater or going to Amazon.com to buy a Blu-ray or a, or a DVD, head over to BattleshipRetention.com and see if we've reviewed it, and we'll tell you if it's worth buying or not. Yeah. Uh, and also, there's a thing that, we, the that we've been doing, and we've never mentioned it on the show, but that is uh, every Tuesday there's a post of like the, the bigger uh, movies that have been released on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, and we don't, re- we don't necessarily go out of our way to review those when they are released on DVD. Instead, we just link to the original yeah. review when it, for when it was a theatrical release. So you And we have links to, to those on that actual post. So yeah, you I can, think like Hop came out this week. Right. We didn't write a new review of Hop, but right. there was an existing one. 
So. Um, yeah, so uh, like I said, if you need anyone to help you know how to think about movies, yeah. specific movies, go to BattleshipRetention.com, yeah. and Tyler and I and our, our, our crack team of writers will uh, will tell you yeah. what, what's good and what's not. I mean, you're already listening to this. So, right. so you you already got, ha- you've got you've, taste. Well, you got it in your ears. Uh-huh. Wouldn't you like to feast your eyes as well? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So that's at BattleshipRetention.com. Also, you can listen to the show there or subscribe on iTunes. You can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. I'm on Twitter at The Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review show, Previously On, at PreviouslyOnShow.com. Tim, where can people find you on the internet? It's a good question, David. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, you can always find our uh, episodes every week at firstshowing.net. Uh, just search for the Golden Briefcase. We usually have the newest episode in the right-hand uh, column there, so you can look for that. I was going to say, too, if you guys don't take Battleship Pretension's word for it, every week on the show we also mention new releases, <laughs> and you can also hear our inane babble about if you should pick them up or not. We, what we try to do – I don't know if you guys do this. I Forgive me. I haven't actually looked at those reviews. Um, we try to also you know, state, is it – worth your while to actually have this disc this release should you wait for you know a, a double dip or something like mm-hmm. that because um, I, I and i can tell sitting here you guys lo- love your home media and i do too and so and nothing kills me more than having to buy something twice especially if it's better the second time around <laughs> so yeah i that's usually what i like going to especially you know blu-ray.com and stuff try to read up on the transfer and the audio and the extras and stuff like that um i will say i did pick up the girl with the dragon tattoo blu-ray which is awesome it's got some really good stuff on it too, very so. very clever disc for the digital copy excellent cover disc yeah have, yeah. You, have you seen that no, the, it's for the a di- burned DVD, and it's got like written with Sharpie. Nice. On it. And it, it says like DVR, and so it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you can find the show up at firstshowing.net. We got new episodes usually every Thursday in podcast form, and we actually do broadcast live on Wednesday nights, usually at about eight p.m. Pacific time. So, um, and then you can find me at Twitter as well, twitter.com slash timbuel t i m b u e l. Well, Tim, thank you very much for joining us. This is a fun Absolutely. discussion. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thank you. We're looking forward to being on your show, which I assume the invitation will be extended. Yeah. No, well, I should say, <laughs> I'm going to call you it. Uh, uh, you've asked me to be on your show uh, many times, but here's the thing. You usually ask me like two or three days before I do, the show. I do. And, and that's, I do. We lately have been in a horrible habit of waiting less. Like we had a guest <laughs> for yesterday's show yesterday morning. So, yeah, we, we took a week off for South by Southwest, and it just took forever to get back on it. So, so let me get this straight. <laughs> David, how many times have you have you been asked to be on the show? Uh, at least three. At least three. But let uh, me run through my little my little mental rolodex here and see me <laughs> see how many times I who incidentally I work from home and I got a lot of time. Oh my goodness. Uh, let me see how I, you check your schedule. Let me let me yeah. let me uh, pull out the old uh, the old uh, phone here and well, scroll through you, my emails. Uh, none. Let none, me ask right? you how many times have you hung out with Tim at Comic Con? This is true. Like five times. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. I Those times at the Tin Fish. I, I actually had just finished beers with. Uh, with I Tyler was in costume, yeah. <laughs> so he might not have. And I was in costume as characters that don't speak. I was the pale man <laughs> that one year. Uh, so. that all right, all right. Well, I, I formally extend an invitation to both of you. Okay, please, please come on the Golden Briefcase. We'd love to have you. So. Well, and I do want to say, by the way, if you work in a supermarket or something like that, we I didn't <laughs> want to offend you. <laughs> no, oh, no, you are dead already yourself. by the time they, exactly. they got to this part. So, it's really yeah. just a formality if you kill yourself <laughs> at that point. But uh, no, I don't mean I don't mean to crap on people that have jobs that like most people would say it's like ah oh, that's a bad job. You do what you got to do for reasons that you got to do it. Exactly. I understand. Exactly. So I was feeling bad about that. It's like I don't mean to be that guy. You're just like, oh, yeah. menial we did job? sound very superior. I don't think that's how, <laughs> and I don't think that's how we meant it, but 
Yeah, I could see if I were in a certain mood that would have I would be in your shoes like worried on the bus listening and, to the podcast yeah, just yeah. No, raging yep. I, I know what I meant I, I didn't mean it as an insult yes we Here, love all you at the supermarkets you're, I know you're invaluable. and at the Arclight yes at the Arclight <laughs> it has been uh, called it has been uh, it has come to my attention that I occasionally will go into character as a pompous I think I'm going into character it doesn't always pompous, as like ab- abrasive pompous abrasive just an asshole just the whole thing <laughs> Uh, and Belittling. Then, yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> defensive, naturally assuming that people are uh, angry at me. And so, uh, but trying to beat them to the punch <laughs> by commenting on how stupid they are with uh, the thermos they're drinking out of. And so, like, that is a character that I play, and but it's not always clear because the character sounds a lot like me. Very similar. <laughs> in so. person, I had no problem seeing you slide in and out of character. However... On the podcast, people are going to have a little bit of problems. Exactly. So I apologize to those people. And I hope hope you all still like us. Uh, Tim, thanks for being here. Thank you all for listening at home. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.